Yo, how are you doing, folks? Welcome to episode 96 of the Simple Life Podcast. I hope you are keeping well, folks. We are now getting balls deep into autumn, but that was quite an image. <laughs> there you go, folks. Uh, there's uh, something lovely to start off this podcast. It's going to be quite a visual episode. Um, as you may notice, uh, today's guest is somebody who's been on the podcast before, and I think we got through two whole questions that we'd uh, determined that we were going to talk about, given the subject matter and the experience um, of said guest, and we went straight into uh, quantum mechanics and metaphysics and philosophy and and all sorts. And to be honest with you, we've just been sat for about 20 minutes doing that before recording. So we're probably going to jump quite quick back into that, to be honest. But uh, hey-ho, we'll do a bit of housekeeping and get started properly, because uh, I've missed you fine, folks. It's, it's been a few weeks. I've uh, enjoyed some time in the woods, which I'm sure we'll probably uh, cover shortly. There's a bit of news from uh, the States and from the UK that we'll cover as well. But without further ado, we will move on. That was French as fuck. I'm proud of that one. Um, today's guest is a Scottish author, illustrator, and the creator and host of the Canaman TV podcast, uh, the producer producer, creator of the Canaman comics and producer of the Canaman, uh, what do you call the series? The animations? The Yeah, yeah, just Canaman animation series. Canaman animation series. Uh, there were previous guests way back in November 15th, 2021. That seems like so, so long ago. I think yeah. uh, there's a whole prime minister and uh, economic stability uh, epoch ago, really, to be fair. Um, they've also recently produced uh, a new book as well, The Productive Path, which I do want to discuss as well. So before we jump too far into uh, time travel, uh, let's discuss that as well. Um, but yeah, today's guest is Conor McLeod. How are you doing? I'm fucking dynamite. Thanks for inviting me, Simple. <laughs> Thank you for, for jumping in the hot seat. I had a, a guest maneuver around, but as we often talk about, as you said earlier, the, the synchronicity of this being sort of episode 96, as you were saying, and us both being cancer signs, uh, the astrolog astrologically astute amongst you may recognize that that is uh, the symbol for uh, cancer. So there you go. If you don't, you've just learned something. Mm. All right. Um, what, what's new? What have you been up to? It's been a whole nearly 12 months. Just uh, building animation series predominantly. I mean, uh, I did, the, I think, the Productive Path, maybe May, I think it was. Um, obviously, I'll talk about that in a bit, if you like. But the animation series is where, that's where my entire focus is. I mean, most people, that's anybody that's following my channel, they'll see that there's only been two or three interviews this year. Um, that's largely because the animations are... Uh, they really are all in um, and that's where that's where all my focus is the entirety of the channel um, even beginning from the very beginning when I started creating uh, doing interviews and stuff like that it's all my, my entire focus has been leading towards this moment um, and uh, quite honestly it's just it's kind of it's, I don't know if it's a relief but it's certainly a, it's um, it's encouraging to know that sometimes when you actually get visions of what you could potentially achieve it's not really a, a, a hope sometimes you feel like you're kind of being directed in a certain way Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm just i'm absolutely delighted that it's now you know episode one dream state season two um all of the stuff i should actually maybe go and get the book to show you because all the, all the episodes every single animation episode um has been adapted from the comic book series so there's 14 original canaman comics um right. that, I, that i'd done from 2018 2019 um and i've moved them from uh if you one minute i'll just actually get the book to show you something yeah do it 
Uh, make a note here. I'll put in uh, some little graphic there. <laughs> so yeah, so this year, uh, just this is like one hundred percent plug fucking say, but um, yeah. like, so this this is the original. Uh, it was it. What have I written? The original collection one hundred one to one fourteen. So this is the the fourteen original co- uh, comics which I, I started in two thousand and eight. 2019 it was, that's what it was, 2019, um, and there's 14 comics there, and essentially each single comic has now been adapted into each, each episode is, is the animated version of the comic, so uh, kind of there's a level of, I don't like to say pride because it's inflated and it has ego later done it, but there's a level of self-respect I have for myself because the reality is what I'm doing is the same as what Stan Lee did, but he just didn't draw any stuff, he got Jack mm-hmm. Kirby to do it, whereas I've drawn all these and now I'm animating them, and it's cool mm-hmm. as fuck because... Um, you know, sometimes you just have to put yourself in a position of difficulty and then and then everything happens. So so yeah, so at the moment this is now episode number eight. Um mm. and of, of fourteen. And then that will take me to um April time next year. But like each so it's essentially it takes me a month to do one episode. Um and that will take me to April and that'll be all fourteen done. And uh what I never said before we started, but because you're talking about product earth, but um my intention is because I'm also at the moment building on the storyboard for the Canaman movie. So the Canaman movie is going to be a feature film, which is going to be at a very minimum 50 minutes long. And uh, Matt Clifton, if you're watching, bro, I'm hoping to pre- premiere it product in if you're up for it. <laughs> let, let, let me make a note to send him a persuasive email. <laughs> as I, was, I, was going to, as I was speaking to the beginning of the year, obviously, just to, before Product Earth and stuff like that. And that's what I'm really hoping to do is to, because the timeline is exactly that. Um, I have six more episodes left that'll take me to april time um and that'll be all of them the season one and two done all the comics have been then transferred over animation and then the, from april until august uh, that'll leave me four and a half months roughly to collate all the drawings i've done to that point and uh, and then collate all the storyboard and really just go full steam ahead from april to, to august to then completely complete the the the, the movie um and I, I would really like to do like almost like a tour where i premiere it at, at significant areas around the uk um, the idea of putting all the effort in and just putting it on YouTube, uploading it, it just seems anticlimactic. You know, just it's a, I'd, I'd rather to be. You no, know, this is it's going to take so long. And what I mentioned before about Robert Green and his book Mastery, and the reality is, there's a this will be the first masterwork that I've created, and it's not a and, and it's and it's a a literal sense to say it that way. If anybody's unaware, like masterwork is not some grandiose, fucking unachievable, only guys that have been in it 30 years do. A masterwork is essentially a, a, a collection of the, the skills that you've applied and then you just exceed your current skill level by going all in. I fully expect to feel completely insane by the time the fucking I, the, the movie's done. If I, if I don't, I've not done it right. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so that's where it's at at the moment. Come April time, all the, the season two should be finished and then uh, I'll be essentially f- like... I'm pretty certain from April time to August next year, I won't be producing content. I, I don't think what I'm going to do is uh, hopefully do just a 24 hour stream. I'm hoping to do that before Christmas time this year, where I just have the channel. I'll just put all the videos in a playlist where it'll be like an interview and then two cartoons, an interview, two cartoons. Um, at the moment, there's like 215 videos or something like that on the channel. And I'll just make it so there's a 24 hour stream continuously. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do that, I think, through certain platforms. It's like 30 or 40 quid a month. So it means then I wouldn't need to keep the laptop on. Um, I could just fucking you know, just do that. And it'll allow me to still maintain um, people traffic towards the channel whilst also building towards this movie. Cause the idea of mm. the channel going stagnant, you know, just, it's not, it's not pref- uh, preferential. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That really is fucking awesome that you're actually yeah. able to animate the, the comics that is taking up that next level and to do it all in house yeah. is commendable. And if you, you don't want to be proud of it in the sense of ego, I can be quite happily proud of you with it in the sense of your <laughs> yeah. ego. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, man, as you say, it is 
very few people arrive at even the conceptual idea of mastery. Mm -hmm. They could actually culminate all of their skills and experience into something that is more than the sum total of their parts. Mm -hmm. And yet we are all acquiring and accruing this knowledge and these skills at every moment. Obviously, in some ways, they may be blunting the instruments that we have to use, to use sort of a crude analogy, if you're keeping with me, and some may sharpen them. Mm -hmm. And but either way it's still experience that's still valid in something it still ends in something all like i think of all great um sort of writers in the in the past they suffered a great tragedy you know mm-hmm. they suffered great misery some of them actually self-inflicted to truly live and experience that that mm-hmm. other that, that different life and then bring it or attempt to bring it to the masses and i think um anybody that that follows that pursuit regardless of whether it be you know ballet carpentry animation writing whatever i think that is valid and necessary in this world and it is the pursuits that we're kind of losing um focus of as capitalism comes towards what i want to say the cliche of late stage capitalism but ultimately yes it's becoming pernicious and, and cannibalistic and starting to eat itself the arts are long since gone music is deprioritized everything's now i saw something the other day of these these ai softwares that the fact that someone like yourself, you, you're gonna you go and produce it. I mean, I think one of the things that people would love to fucking see, I'd love to see, is a live stream of you producing it to show the work that goes into it, how you, you the body you turns that into that craft. Because I've, 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 I've watched people illustrate, and still it looks like fucking magic. It's just yeah. like oh that. man, what a great word, <laughs> great word to use, man. Right, because it is magic, magic, not in the sense of ta-da, the my rabbit with the hat, but the reality is we are magical creatures in the very literal sense. And and what's so peculiar, perfect right and this is what i mean about that obviously i said it before but that's a magician on the front man mm-hmm. that's what that is and and what's what's cool about this is even when i when i started that that's like the magic thing so perfectly you say that simple so before i started animating the thing i didn't know how to animate and what you said there briefly just to, before i go fucking too diverse man i'm a fucking nightmare but um that's what i'm doing so what i'm doing at the moment i have maybe about an hour's worth of footage of me drawing and an hour's worth of footage of me like uploading so i have a i have a behind the scenes thing um that i'm going to do and my intention was to do it at the end of season two because then that'll be the original 14 done um and and that would then be the show you behind the scenes so i would show you from just a, a pencil and a bit of paper because that's essentially what it is it's a pencil and a bit of paper i do the drawings i then scan onto the computer i then color it through gimp which is a free software i then transfer it over to blender which is a free software i then record the audio i do all the voices all that kind of shit give or take obviously the female voices or the voices my son's in it he's fucking dynamite um you know that kind of shit and that's what's cool because in the future he's gonna look back at this wee squeaky voice like oh my dad's doing this shit <laughs> um but even to go back to before like the very first animation i did was about september time last year and i was working <clears throat> excuse me i was working um doing a shitty fucking kitchen job just washing dishes all the time it was fucking grim and i was going home and drawing like a fucking maniac um drawn in the morning before i went to work I, i'll be honest this is true and anybody that worked with me can testify to this i would take my pad to fucking work and i would draw on my break that's what was going on and it was just mm-hmm. constant continuously all the time right so i'd be sitting in the cafe and folk would be like oh you're on your break and i'm sitting fucking drawing and then going back um so when i was doing that it's that magic thing i was also telling people right i'm going to do the animation series i'm going to make this animation series now the thing i'll point out is every time i said this in my mind i'm like how the fuck am i going to do this yeah like, that's all i could say but i knew the process of this magical endeavor where you and because what, what does a magician do he tells you what he's going to do he then does the thing and he, he produces the thing he was going to say and then everybody's left in awe at how it happened now that little um aesthetic of ta-da the bullshit magicians that's actually the plastic element where the reality is we are magical creatures and you see it through through architecture you see it through the like the the numerous numbers of crafts and, and endeavors that individuals walk into um but that's what's so cool about this so that um 
as I'm fucking beginning to go, like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? It just happened, man. It's bizarre. And, and this is why I think I would recommend to every single person that's watching, like if you have something, it doesn't matter if it's knitting, if it's painting, if it's fucking something that you probably think stupid, but you have a love for it. Like tell everybody the, 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 the maximum you think you would like to achieve. Like if you just say hypothetically, you're somebody that's like into like fashion or something like that. And you're like, I want to have a Calvin Klein brand, but you don't even know how to make a t-shirt, make your fucking t-shirt. Like literally get, get an old bit of clothing, make it fucking throw it together. It will look shit, but the feeling you'll have at the end of that will be a sensation of accomplishment. And that will be your fuel for the next time you do a t-shirt. And before you know it, you apply that level of, um, of sincerity and authenticity to your craft. And you then times, I actually think there's a formula where if you were to go like desire times effort, divided by um, length of time equals your end result. I'm pretty mm -hmm. certain desire plus effort divided by time equals your craft. And it's something like that because that's what goes on. As long as you tell people, you, you again, we've spoken about this in the last podcast, but language is frequency. You know, and your intention is frequency, mm -hmm. your thought process, you, you, we are frequency creatures. So all of this mm -hmm. stuff, man, it's like, <clears throat> it's actually, I have a fucking thing on the wall here, man, in the house that's like, Life is perception, right? And I noticed this mainly when I was doing the animation that there was a, there was an eye. There was, so I had kind of man, and I had three pupils in his eyes, and it was accidental because it was kind of like I was I was trying to make it so that he was looking one direction into the next direction. And what I realised was when I so at one point there was there was two pupils on both eyes, so it looked fucking ridiculous. You know, fucking home invader. Sorry, someone was shouting in the street so loud. He <laughs> went through the, the closed window and my headphones. Jesus. No, that's all right, man. He's probably telling me to shut the fuck up. He's <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like, damn, I couldn't shut up. Um, but no, that's, that's all it is, man. It's like literally, we as human beings, and this is not, and that's what's so interesting. And that's why Robert Greene's book, Mastery, is perfect mm. because what he details very obviously in it is every single human, no matter if you have a disability or, of any spectrum or, or if you have anything in your life that you think is inhibiting you the reality is it's only inhibiting you because your perception allows it to we have anything at our capacity and 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 anybody listening just tell yourself continuously that what you're going to do and then do every single thing every single day do little bits every single day and just repeat to everybody oh do you know in two years time i'm going to be doing this mm -hmm. and then you'll feel silly people will look at you like he's a fucking idiot you might lose friends most likely that's part of it um but just keep telling everybody and then you create this this like defined aura of this new individual you're going to be. And as mm -hmm. a consequence of that, the, the craft you're producing, and it's a metamorphosis, you know, but mm -hmm. it's just, it's a metamorphosis from the individual you were to the individual you're going to be. And you have to really go through this process. And that's what I've learned. That's what the productive path's all about, um, is that, that, that life is layering. There is there is a layering phenomena that's present from biology to, to you know, all the way through from nature. There's a layering phenomena um, through consciousness. There's a layering everything in life from the, the process of a piece of furniture. When you're writing simple, it starts as an idea it becomes into um, a loose collection of, of words it'll then be a format it'll then be a layer it'll then all of a sudden be a complex layer there's a layering phenomena and the thing it was it, it became so explicit for me is when i'm doing animation animation is like I'm, I'm, like music's obviously another fantastic explicit mm -hmm. example of, of layering phenomena but animation provides because there's people at the end you know there's there's mm -hmm. there's, there's a society there's a fucking world at the end um, and it all starts from a bit of paper where a fucking it actually starts from the idea then it becomes mm -hmm. a fucking bit of paper and a pencil and then all of a sudden it just you know it becomes like magic it's very peculiar it's fascinating and it really it, it provides like a a sparkle in life because it what it's shown me the thing i'll point out as well what i'm doing now and books i've done and all that kind of shit you 10 years ago i was a valium addict 
Like I was fucking out my face all the time. The amount of times, there was one time I was actually sitting and, and I had the boy's mom at the time, she, was, she wouldn't be bothered me telling you this, but she was like falling asleep and I had, I had like these terrible Valium. We couldn't really get any. Like, so it was just these shitty fucking white ones that had been food colored with blue. And I'm sitting there and I remember I was like, it was awful, man. I remember my heart, like at one point it was like, I had like 18 of these fucking things. I was like, my heart went all slow and I was like, shit, I've overdone this, man. And I was like, Oh well, like fuck, fuck, I can't do nothing new. I'll just take weight, and and I remember that, and I was all like I'm thin now, but I was like super thin and shit. So then, mm-hmm. the reason I'm saying any of this is there has been a metamorphosis that's happened in my life, and it is by no means unique to me. It is a it's a path that's accessible to everybody, and um, it really doesn't matter the stage in life you're at. And in the book, I have a quote from Mark Twain when he says, um, "Age is a is a matter of uh, mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter." You know, and that's exactly right. It's like you can really achieve anything you want, and that's that's. That's essentially my priority in life is to, mm-hmm. to to try and allow everybody. I tell my sons all the time, everybody I meet, I'll be honest, I'm a, a relatively manic individual. People fucking, <laughs> but it's just, it's necessary. You know, I'd rather be, a, I'd rather be a, 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 a so-called unique individual than somebody that, that is fearful, you know, because again, it's, it's, I think, I don't know, I think it was Jim Carrey I wrote in the book was that he says, you, you either take your opportunities or you remain frightened of them, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's essentially it. So. So yeah, Sampa, before I talk about it for another nine hours, man, on you go. <laughs> Excellent. So many jumping off points uh, to go with that. There's um shout out to one of my mates who helps out with the podcast, Chris. He has an expression of a, you make that rod for your, your back. And so like when he wanted to redecorate one of his rooms, he just stood up and just tore the wallpaper and went, that'll piss me off enough to do it. Good man. And it's the same thing of exactly what you said. And I, I recognized it many years ago of, there is a, an actual quite good uh, the the visual um, sort of cacophonous imagery that collided in my brain while you were talking about this metamorphosis was literally the externalizing. Mm-hmm. When you speak it out loud, you start to manifest it, and it's almost like it's the caterpillar beginning that vomitous stage of then beginning to cover itself. You know, I mean, it's not vomit; is it? it's silk or whatever. The process, anyway, it's an external thing that comes out of the creature mm-hmm. to then create this space in which it transforms. And that transformation feels like a death, a loss. And I think that's what you, you, we go through anyway. We lose people, we lose jobs, we lose, you know, comfortable situations that we're in, you know, uh, economic areas and everything else changes, you know, your security changes in various different ways, your desires, your wants, et cetera. Um, but I think, yeah, you can control that change by manifesting it, as you say. And it is mm-hmm. the magician as well was a, was a really good uh, visual representation because, to the person that pays the ticket goes in, sits down, and they see that trick. They don't see the tens of, if not sometimes hundreds of thousands of hours that mm. goes into that sleight of hand, that goes into understanding it. It's not just them going, where do my hands go? They're understanding human psychology. They're understanding um, like the history of the craft. They're understanding like how temperature and lighting and all of these different things affect perception. And it, it is, it's, a, it's a wonderful kind of... Um, uh, parable as it were it's actually um, beautiful you'd say that man that you described it the the language of manifesting it um, equivalent to the silk as the caterpillar that's that's fucking poetic stuff man because that is the truth and when you say it as well like <clears throat> the, the, the tens of hours that goes into the craft that again takes us to the to robert green thing when he says that you know ten thousand hours everyone's sure there's a, a number of people that's aware of the ten thousand hours theory this is a legitimate mm-hmm. um 
sociological, psychological fact that there is a minimum of 10,000 hours for you to do anything to master your craft. And, and as Robert Green points out perfectly, is that you don't, you're not biologically inclined that, oh, I've been born with, with a benefit of biology, so I only need 2,000 hours. Now, it doesn't work like that. Everybody starts at zero. Everybody needs 10,000. And that's just the way it is. And that's why with that, there's a real, and, and what's what's so cool, that's why I, as I mentioned before the podcast started, like I believe that the universe is conscious and we have an interpersonal, every one of us has an interpersonal relationship with the universe um, as a representation of our own individual consciousness. There's a very strange dynamic. Um, and that's what, what I find fortunate about my the, the path I've been put on is that I came across by happenstance, those kind of things, 10,000 hours theory, or the thing you're talking about your friend Chris when he was pulling down the, the, the wallpaper, that is a psychological fact that, that, that was found in this woman and it was an Italian uh, psychologist that noticed that when she um, she was sitting in a restaurant and uh, there was waiters that had to take this enormous list of food, they had to, to remember this fucking huge, diverse number of food for each table. And uh, the, the tables that they had to still serve, they remembered the entire meals. And she asked the ones that they'd served and the, the, the people had fucked off, um, they should ask them, what did they have for the meal? and they couldn't remember because it, the, the human mind is hardwired to engage and complete tasks which are still to be done so and so to, so the best thing and that's that's a technique that i apply regularly every single time um that i finish doing an animation it takes a full month to do it takes between it's usually between 40 and 50 illustrations per animation so that's 40 and 50 drawings each drawing is about half an hour a time and and it's it's relatively exhausting because i enjoy it i don't feel exhausted um i'm maybe fatigued but certainly not exhausted psychologically but what i do knowing that psychological trick is that as soon as I've uploaded that day, Simpa, every fucking time, every time, man, it makes me giggle thinking about how much of a fucking maniac I am, but every time I've finished it, I do one picture of the next episode every fucking time because then it stops me for leaving three or four or five days, six days, and then that whole week of not doing anything means that I'm not mm -hmm. uploading the next one for another six weeks. So I just draw a picture. I just do it because then my brain's in this psychological thing and it's it's handy to know um, the the mechanics of psychology and the, and the, and the, the tendencies of human biology because then you could kind of play it to your advantage you know yeah man. uh trying to grab a book as a reference i was saying obviously before we came on um then obviously i've been smashing reading again um after nearly a year of not touching a book and it was because of johan harry's stolen focus there's a, a chapter on that when they're talking about sort of retention and whatever else and um there's a concept uh now i'm saying it, i'm doubting that it was that book I've read <laughs> shit i'm pretty sure it's in, in here and it's a, basically the concept is like pre-commitment Right. Is that even in your brain, if you, you once you commit to the thing, I will do rather than I want, yeah. even just that little step, you then you you effectively, if you look at it uh, neurologically, you are connecting new neurons and creating a new neurological pathway. We understand already. You remember that study a few years ago that really fucked with people mm. that thinking about exercise in exercising muscles can exercise muscles. That's right. Yeah. 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 So it's basically it's the same sort of thing. Is that in your in your brain? I I always imagine it's like a. Uh, like sand on a beach and waterways, oh, and, 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 and so the water, the water, the water gets more ingrained, right? Right. Okay. And yeah. So, so the, and obviously, what you're then doing with this this pre commitment is you're then going, I want to this, 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 and that's the neurological pathway. So you take the first layers off. So mm. when the water comes next time, some of it goes through. It's still in the ingrained path, but then the more you put through it, the valleys get deeper. And this is what I was saying about why I went to the woods and whatever else is that neurological reset is to literally just go boom, mm. flush everything. And then it just sort of clicks back on, uh, analogous to you know Jurassic Park, where they turn off the systems and they all start firing back on. Yeah. That's what I envision every time I'm in the fucking woods. Yeah. In my own head is that I'm turning off all of these systems and, and then allowing you know the uh, neuroplasticity 
toxicity and neurogenesis of things like psilocybin, of like DMT, to uh, produce these new novel pathways and kind of adjust the volume of the normal consciousness mm -hmm. and reconnect being in the woods obviously helps a lot but being reconnected with our primal experience yeah and yeah. i think then that you, you can see your own gameplay you can mm -hmm. then laugh at yourself and be like jesus christ i was so pissed off about xyz you know and you, you put it as you said before in a perspective you've really you know understood that you are not the things that happen to you you are not even you necessarily in its mm. grandest sense there's you the experience then there's you that can think of that and then there's still fucking you up there that's mm. watching all this shit happen yeah <laughs> you know that's why I, mean? I had that that's why i had that response simple because the fact that you use the metaphor of on the beach man is imagine waves of consciousness yeah, no, no. coming in is what like, I, I, think. I, I describe because you're talking about neurological footpaths that's what's going mm. on in my mind it's a footpath and, and i described the same thing and i used the beach as an, i actually can't believe you fucking said that i've used that beach <laughs> describing this to people about the neurology of people and the the the, the, the description was that same again i was actually the, uh, talking to the boys more about this in the past was that it was about memory in particular i was using at the beginning mm. but i was like each memory is essentially a footpath in the sand and every time you think of that memory you're walking down that fucking footpath and the reality is if it's an unpleasant memory the best thing you can do is to kind of um, um kind of like prime yourself so that every time you begin to walk down that footpath you throw up a positive thing so inevitably if you want to forget a bad memory stop thinking about it because you're going to erode that neurological footpath that neurological pathway and, and then it'll eventually over time fade to the point where it's no longer prevalent in your mind or, or mm -hmm. present in your mind whereas if you and that's what i think is so powerful about self-improvement self-development that kind of thing because the reality is the more and more you engage in it the more and more it becomes who you are and and, it, and it's and it's really profound and it's it's fascinating it's just so funny you use a beach man because honestly mm -hmm. i use that because it's a great example that's a mm -hmm. bland fucking smooth surface and then you imprint on it and there it is you've got you've constructed something and it's the mm -hmm. same thing you know neurology is exactly that and it's to, to, to know it and to understand it is to your benefit, really, because then you can mm -hmm. hack into it to, to further it. Yeah. Whereas you get a lot of folk that are like, this is shit, this is annoying has happened to me, and they'll talk about the same poisonous shit, the same negative shit that's been bothering them for years. And the reason it's they're still talking about it and it's still bothering them is because they're fucking talking about it. It's like, stop yeah. talking about it. Hardwire yourself so that you're only talking about productive positive elements and all of a sudden give it six months and you, you won't even remember who you were six months ago because you're like no nah, no nah, this is all negative and you can notice yeah. in others by the way one of the things i've noticed the most because i spend so much time alone doing this stuff it takes an enormous amount of time to make these animations what i notice so much is it feels like i get cleansed by being alone when i go into the company of others you become immediately notice you, you notice immediately negative speak like it is like a fucking siren in front of you you're like, fucking help because you're it's so not part of you because you're in a different realm you're in a realm of productivity you know and it's just it's, it's a really fascinating thing um, and it's just brilliant you would use a beach man brilliant <laughs> yeah man i think yeah one of the things that came up in my head there that i wanted to mention before it kind of goes is why i think mdma then is so useful in that you are obviously we know about its neuroplasticity sort of uh properties um there's still i think the image in my head was there was walking along that gully that gap and just pushing the sand back in from the pathway you're then creating with a deeply pleasurable experience do you know what i mean so I, I've, I've often said that i've got far more out of music festivals and gigs and get fucked up on pills and talking about my trauma and you kind of you create bonds with the people and you each of the surrogate psychiatrists for an evening yeah. and you talk about deep emotional things you'll never fucking mention 
you get each other's first name in a vaguety and then you both come down the next day and it's it's kind of gone and it's away you've you've lessened that trauma you've in some way you've had a powerful meaningful experience where someone has heard you seen you validated that thing in a way that isn't just and you've spoke it in a way that isn't a victim mentality it isn't from a woe is me it's a here's a fucking thing that fucks me up another person goes oh that's 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 fucked up how does that make you feel but not in the psychiatrist cliche lying down. There's empathy. There's an actual exchange of, I don't want to say telepathy, but do you know what I mean? It's it's There is a thing with these sorts of compounds where you synchronize to another person. It's beyond linguistics. And mm. like I said, the, the cathartic nature of the healing in the tribal setting together like that is powerful, but also as you said, individually of having the overview of them being able to have empathy. Because one of the main things of, about MDMA predominantly um, actually, you have quite a few amphetamines dependent on dose set and setting, et cetera, mm-hmm. can, can produce quite a lot of, uh, of, of, of empathy, of, of real quite deep, insightful kind of war. And so when you do that by yourself, you can't project that onto others. You have mm-hmm. to cycle through it yourself. Yeah. So you then find yourself forgiving yourself. Mm-hmm. And once you can forgive yourself for who you've been, you can start to become who you are. And when you said of six months, like, dude, yeah, I went to the GP not long ago, and they showed me the list of things since my adulthood that they've still got open investigations. Right. And they're like stuff from like 2004, 2005. And I'm like, that's like 20 people ago. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because I'm, con- I'm, that's my, my strive is, is, for, is for knowledge, awareness, and truth. Mm-hmm. I've got some burning questions in me that I just cannot get answers for no matter how much I try. And I'm just going to keep just, just tearing the earth before me to get mm-hmm. further forward so I can stop thinking about it. Also, like you said, I'm, all I'm trying to do is, is, is find out how to turn that dial down. And I've tried drugs. I've tried sex. I've tried festivals and dropping out of society. I've tried all the other things. And now speaking it and being heard and having meaningful, constructive conversations, I feel is that next iteration of it you know what i mean and i think unfortunately as you say there's too many people who are at 60 they're they're heading to die who they were at 16 Mm -hmm. they've not and again this is not to blame anybody necessarily it's we're all yeah to a certain lesser extent responsible for our own actions but obviously epigenetics that we know from our environment what that can then do to us we then obviously know the answers air quotes Mm -hmm. little answers um that are being given to us by society for a lot of the problems that are caused by society then put us back into this feedback loop and again i think one of the things we haven't really spoke of this i think is vital to this is awareness and i think i don't know if it was when we after we've recorded or before we were talking about like enlightenment and mm. enlightenment in like the, in Zen Buddhism, for example, is, is sort of accepted as being brief. Like they, call, they have a, a concept of Satori, which is brief enlightenment. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's, it's unfounded. It's just out of nowhere. And it's actually crudely could be described as, as awareness as, as being present. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of Eckhart Tolle, I think is another guy who speaks of uh, the power of now. And obviously that goes into like mindfulness and meditation and yoga and all those kind of things. But it's about if you can truly be present, mm-hmm. you cannot be anxious of the future or depressed of the past because you are not processing either. You are mm-hmm. processing where you are now. And in that moment, if you truly trust who you are, I have a cliched expression that I speak, uh, not necessarily as often as uh, I probably do because there's not as many opportunities these days because it's not really as hopeful. But the, the bird on the branch doesn't trust, uh, doesn't worry of the tree breaking because it mm-hmm. trusts his wings. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing as you were saying with self-improvement. If we're always shoring up our wings, we know that we can take flight. There is infinite sky regardless of what happens with the landscape before us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that we, we forget, that our perception narrows and we go, well, I can't change the climate. I can't change the politics. I can't, I can't change these grandiose things. Of course you can't. 
Mm. But you can make little steps every day towards embodying that life. I, I've said before that I believe activism in its truest sense is being and existing in the world you want to see. Mm. Yeah, you're going to face a lot of loss of friends, as you spoke of before, a lot of backlash from society and, and from people that are well, very much uh, committed to the current paradigm, you know, like to use like the matrix analogy still plugged in, you know, it's, yeah. but I think you will then die with sincerity and, and honest and honest a sense of honest integrity and mm-hmm. almost righteousness, but not like a self-righteousness in kind of a false egoic sense in that you lived righteously for yourself. Yeah. And I think what the fuck more can we ask for in that? If we had a society of people that lived to their own ends, yeah. That isn't to say to their own limitations. That is to mean that they push themselves continually. Yeah. You know? I mean, just like you said there as well, when you've obviously got these burning questions that continue on, this this ongoing stream of consciousness of questioning. You know, it's like, a, that, that's a, obviously, I know obviously you're talking about epigenetics. Maybe there'll be some people in their 60s that won't be in that dynamic and all that kind of thing. But the reality is, the thing that popped to mind personally was was Aristotle when he's talking about, you know, um, a life unanalyzed is a life wasted, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that, this is thousands of years ago. So, so, so there's not really, even cultural elements and that kind of thing, there's not really... A, a clear, direct reason why some people don't ever like introspect or, or, or like or contemplate. And sometimes I have this. I don't know if I included it in the book, but I refer to um, to everybody that's not active and engaging, like actively engaging in what they truly desire. That's the thing. And the thing when you when you think what you want, when you're like, oh, I want this out of life. The truth is, the thing that you want when you at the, the moment you're like, oh, I want this out of life is actually the door that opens you towards the place that's way down deep in your in your in your psyche which is the thing that you actually were here to do and then and when so i refer to everybody that's not actively when you've got people that just at a till and liddles and then they go home watch tv fall asleep go back to the till whatever you know it's like they're like like a waiting pod of potential that's how i refer to it it's like a waiting mm-hmm. pod of potential because there's a pod of potential in that individual and it's like they're waiting to be activated with something personally for me i think the thing that activated me was um was was my oldest son really it's like when i obviously I, in my mind the thing that started with this was the books and it was fake fucking that's what i mean a4 sheets of paper i would fold it in half and the reason i did these kids books it was fat guys zippy they ended up turning into this this was fucking years ago man but i used to do this book and um, this was like the very first one i did for amazon you know, I did them on Amazon, but I did them for him. And, and and I was like, and the reason I did it was I was like, I want him to think I'm shit hot. What can I do that makes him think I'm shit hot? Yeah. And that's what I thought. I was like, what can I do, man? I was like, a fucking kid's book. So that's how it started. And I mean, and that, that was, so I was a waiting product because at that time when I first started drawing, um, I was popping fucking valleys all the time and I was like getting coke to my face and you know, this, this, and this, and all that kind of usual shit. Because I was like, there was, I was kind of like, like, uh, like a car with no driver, man. I was a fucking all over the road. And, and that's what I felt like. And, and I, I was activated by him. And again, that's why I believe we all do have a true destiny. The universe chats to you and whispers to you because even though he activated it just by being present in my life and me wanting him to do that, and that started the process of me going, right, I'll be a kid's author. No, that's not going to fucking work. And then it just went from the next thing. Oh, what, cannabis is always present in my life. I want to be active with that. And blah, blah, blah. I kept moving all the way forward. I, I associated it recently with him. But the truth is, when I look back on my life, it was always drawing. The very first time I ever came across this stuff, uh, when I was about 10 years old, and I remember I had a wee primary school jotter that you'd do maths in, and sometimes you only have the first two pages that would have any maths in it, and the rest was an empty book, and you take it home. So what I did was, when I was like 10 years old, I had like 10 characters, which were all animals. I remember there was a giraffe, and there was an elephant, and I remember going like, this is my seat, this is my fucking cartoon, and I was like 10 years old, just fucking about. You then mm-hmm. fast forward, I'm like sitting in, I'm like 14, 15, sitting in computing, and I drew a, <laughs> I drew a fucking cartoon of I was a teacher, Mr. McGill. He's probably not even here now anymore. He's an old guy then. Like fucking, I drew a cartoon of him and I'm passing it into class. So that's 14. You then fast forward, I'm like 18. 
I got picked up at my, this is true, man. I got picked up at my front door when I was 18 by my, by the high school rector because I didn't show up to my, <laughs> I didn't show up to my exam, right? And he tapped the door and I opened the door and I'm standing in my fucking box. I was like, what the fuck? And he's like, your exam, come on. And I was like, oh, eh. And he literally pushed me out of my own house. I was in the house, my own. And he pushed me in the house and went, go and get, and I was like, you want a cup of tea or something? He's like, don't be so silly, go and get fucking changed. <laughs> I went got changed. And the reason I'm saying this is that I didn't revise, right? So I, I was just there for EMA and we went home. I was a fucking mess. So I sat and he, I remember it to this day, he was standing in the fucking hall way and as i'm sitting in the exam with everybody else and he's looking through the glass window and i'm like i better look busy so i drew a cartoon <laughs> so, so i opened up the fucking it was english i opened up the sheet of paper i drew a big cartoon of this stone guy with a t-shirt that had feet to bet on it right and he's smoking a big joint and that was when i was 18 and then that so that was like four, like 10 years old in the book 14 drawing it in class 18 years old fucking doing a cartoon and then the exam and then you fast forward i'm like 19 i'm at college i drew a big cartoon of the of the college lecturer on the such an when i think about it i'm such a fucking pain in the arse I drew a big I drew a big cartoon of the lecturer on the fucking front of the board on this big whiteboard so when he came in I was like what do you think Phil I chuffed myself and I was like now the point I'm saying this is at that time as I'm drawing these cartoons I'm still thinking to myself what am I going to do with my life yeah what I do and it's that kind of shit you know so the reason I'm saying this is that the, the, the universe echoes to you in your periphery your entire life and if you have enough introspection um, and if you have enough um opportunity and be lucky enough to be an activated waiting pod of potential then you really will get what you get and sometimes i do believe that sometimes people are just designed to not be activated sometimes it's not and not that's just the truth um, but the, 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 even though they're not activated they still have potential right in the core of their being you know i think yeah i think it's a brilliant way of phrasing it and i think it it moves us on to a, a conversation that we had in the previous episode really kind of a, a determinism and so the kind of the imagery that was going through my head there was sort of beams of light and that there are these adjacent um, parallel pathways and that just as you move through life, the, the, the marker, almost like Google Maps, when it's telling you should have gone right, you miss it, it puts it in front of you again. Yeah. You miss it, it puts it in front of you again. Yeah, I think that it, your whatever it is, is, is always there. And you can't ever tell what it is. And often it's the thing that you spend your life not necessarily rebelling against, but not ever seeing mm. as the thing that you want to pursue. So I remember vividly in, I think, year nine or 10, doing one of those like career aptitude tests on the computers that they did. <laughs> and I went through it and I obviously knew I didn't like kids. I didn't want to really be around people. I was quite a like, fuck this attitude at the time. And it came back author. And I was like, fuck that. I hate English. I hate writing. Fuck that. Did the whole thing again, deliberately tried to answer it as different as possible, obviously still not being like, yeah, don't want to work with kids, don't want to whatever. Boom, came straight back to it. And yeah, then many, many years later, obviously I, I struggled through fucking school because I wasn't in a main, mainstream environment. I was in one of these special educational needs in schools, which was very much a pre-adolescent uh, fucking prison, I guess is probably the best way to describe it. Education was not high in their priority, we'll put it that way. Um, and so then, yeah, it wasn't until I met Tyler Green at Icemoke and he kind of just started effectively and friendly bullying me into being like, oh, do it, do it, do it, do it. And yeah, I've been sort of writing now ever since and I've never felt more me in an odd way. There's still 90% of the time I have the obviously uh, kind of imposter syndrome of just being like, how? You know, I've got to write something. And as you said before, the the dauntingness, it's not the page. I, I'm obviously doing it on the screen and... I've got. I've just now accept my process. My process is written by at the bottom, 
mm-hmm. word title at the top, and then just spew in the middle. Just here's a concept, <laughs> here's an idea, and then just literally spend her day just swilling in my chair, smoking, joints, drinking coffee, getting distracted, and just going back to it and putting concepts and ideas down. Mm-hmm. And then you end up with a five, six, seven hundred words, and then just go back the next day, and you just kind of you read through it, that goes there, read through it, that goes there, read, and then fill in the gaps. And it, it's becomes more instinct instinctive mm-hmm. and but you end up with that kind of i guess the balance of confidence as well you've got to then work on your yourself continually to not allow co- your confidence from other areas to fall through to then question your own skill set within this this chosen niche that you've chosen that you've desired you know um and i think for some people that that's what happens is that they start the thing with all effort and all will and the rest of the world becomes almost too much and yeah. instead of using the thing as a refuge it becomes more of a it's a hobby at best or a, a chore at worst you know yeah. and so i think people miss that as you said before of I, i'm the same of like i can sit and rec- i can fucking work for days and then be like i'm knackered i need to go to bed but like, oh podcast and then yeah. sit and get into really fucking get into this for hours and hours you know what i mean it's it's because that's where my passion lies it's almost like how we have a reserve that we earmark and it's got like a little label on it that and it's your passion, your your one thing, your raison d'etre, the thing that keeps you. I'm full of friends today. Um, and it fucking, you can't access that in any other way. Do you know what I mean? And if you then happen to be a runner or whatever, you can tap into that. I think in professional athletes, they really understand that second wind, that extra little bit. But it comes when your passion is in, in other fields as well. You know, you hear of like the great literary uh, writers of, of sort of history of just, of going in, as you were saying, insane at their craft, yeah. literally losing a part of themselves, putting a piece of their soul into this. And it's kind of as I described to you, I think, before we start recording, of, of why I want to um, start trying to uh, write some books is to almost get it out of me. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of great literature and art, especially, is in all its guises. It's people trying, they need to get it out. There's yeah. something in them that, like, I can't use language. I can't in the traditional colloquial conversation get you to understand or see this but if i can make this if i can produce it you can you you can get it you can understand it and it's such a, a vulnerable and raw thing to literally tear out your piece of you and go boof and go yeah. judge it <laughs> that, do you know what i mean that takes fucking balls whatever yeah. it is that you do folks if you do it in the world fucking bravo honestly because yeah. honestly it doesn't matter however you choose to to work that if you are doing that I support you for it because that's that's quintessential humanity right there. I was going to say that as well. It's actually quite interesting because again, two or three points, man, was that the thing that you, when you're talking about that you've reached a point where you're going to write a book, that's just perfect timing because if you think about it as well, the amount of writing you've done up until this point is probably half a dozen books at like the minimum. You've got a fucking body of archive of fucking writing, right? But individually, it'd be like two, three, four thousand words, that kind of thing. A book, right? And that's what's interesting because it kind of turns to that biology thing. A book is going to be like five times that amount. So inevitably, it's going to put you in a position where you, by the by the process of just creating it, you're going to develop continuously as a person, just mm-hmm. as a consequence of it. And what's so what's so interesting, and, and it should certainly be noted for anybody that's listening, is that humans have this this um, inactivated network of proteins which are only activated um when you put yourself in a position of difficulty so when you're in a so so what you should see yourself as is anybody that avoids difficulty they are allowing themselves to remain 
half of the person they potentially could be. So every single time you put yourself in a position, this is fucking difficult, man. In order to complete that thing of difficulty, you're acting, and, and when I get to that point, quality, I've done it. You have, as a consequence of putting yourself in a position and pursuing the thing, you're activating inactive proteins in your body. And as a consequence of that, your DNA to a certain extent is changing by the time you finish that thing. And that's what's so, that's what's so interesting because it does seem mm-hmm. to be that that's where the consistency comes again with that book mastery is that this is a similar, this is a, a consistent factor with everybody that does their craft was that they, they engage with their craft. They, 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 they master the fundamentals and they hit a point where it's like an intuitive next step. And that's the that's what's so important about this. It's intuitive. It happens in spite of yourself. It whispers to you and then you do the thing that you've been whispered to. And it's very peculiar. And I, I keep questioning when you're mentioning determinism there. Very often I question that. Like, it's like, then the, obviously I'm I would say I'm very deterministic, but there's but there's a there's a it's like determinism, it seems so subjective and small where the reality is it's like it seems to if you were to get on a fucking it's too like, simple. It's it's too simple, but and what's interesting about it as well is like the, the free will that, that obviously is implied is almost um not an illusion, but a a, a necessary ingredient to in, to create the deterministic direction. And um, and the reason I say this is because that so if we were to go back to like when I'm dropping the wee man off at school. I was thinking about this the other day when people say that, like, about parenting, and you put a lot of effort in it, and then you've got, it's like, some kid that turns into a fucking asshole, and you're like, oh, the parents must have done something. But the reality is, I really think that the, the, the amount of effort that you put into the kid as a parent is not as significant an impact on who the person's going to be as we might think. And the reason what makes me think this is when I'm dropping new man off at school, it was like last week or week before, because as I said before, man, I never fucking stop. Um, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the kids, man, and we man's here, and blah, 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 and what you see is 20 separate personalities lining up getting ready to go in right so there's 20 i can see it now the teacher comes out and there's these 20 already formed humans but they're just a miniature version of who they're going to be and in my mind because when i'm looking at these 20 little kids these kids haven't uh, they haven't embraced the discipline that their parents have taught them at that point and yet they're so idiosyncratic at that stage Mm -hmm. which 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 immediately shows to me that that's what you're dealing with you're just dealing with a collection of inactivated proteins which are present and as the kid moves forward in their life and then they pick up bits and pieces these periphery pieces of knowledge or like uh, social norms and these cultural facets these things these things which which would that do have a direction in your life they're secondary to this underlying biological template which has already been determined and 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 that's what i think so so bizarre that you're at school and you're doing a you're doing a fucking test it comes up an author and you're disgusted at this possibility you're like what the fuck this shit and yeah it turns into it turns out to be your actual calling and that, that's what's so so it's like what is that what is that dynamic that's that's a very peculiar thing and what that shows me obviously my own story your own story i have no doubt that with people watching this that'll be like they'll be clicking they'll be like oh that happened for me i do this and musicians mm-hmm. whatever the fuck and and that's what makes me so peculiar that's what makes me believe that the universe has a conscious relationship with each one of us interpersonally is that that situation of you being given that moment of like i don't want to do this and yet it's like a, a a milestone it's like a landmark moment for you to reiterate now as a man that that's what happened i've got the same scenario that's the universe chatting that's an interpersonal dynamic and it requires introspection to fully appreciate what's going on and i think that's why so many people regard the word coincidence as acceptable when they hear these kind of things like, oh, it's a coincidence that that thing happened it's like coincidence yeah. is derogatory to the universe having an interactive relationship with you if you it's, remove it's... the word coincidence and apply it as synchronistic as we've mentioned now that coincidence now has meaning behind it and and and, and as soon as you realize that coincidence really doesn't exist in this in my own opinion coincidence doesn't live in this world what we're dealing with is a collection yeah. of synchronistic events which if you have enough introspection and enough um 
insight towards how the world is potentially you'll see what it is and it's something that's whispering to you it's not something that's that should be disregarded and no matter how small the scale it might seem like oh that's lucky that i found 20 quid even though i need 20 quid to pay this thing but oh, that's so lucky but it's like cool man that's fine but personally i do believe that that we're, we're in a situation where if you allow yourself and that's where coming back to the doing the animations and being in a position of isolation for so long and, and like it's like what many would regard as i i would say i mean i've said this to people before i think the level of the, the amount of time I spend alone as a consequence of doing these animations, many would regard as unhealthy. And yet I feel that I come up with the most, um, the, my best work. And the, and I feel like I learn more about the world just from being quiet and, and quiet in your mind and listening to yourself. And then you walk into the world and you see it all right in front of you. It's, 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 a, it's a bizarre dynamic. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. Uh, one point to go off and then I'll kind of hopefully circle back to where I was going there. If, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm uh, no, no, no. I've, even, I've lost the word. I've lost the word. We were saying derogatory. Uh, coincidence. Coincidence. Yeah. Coincidence. Yeah. I, I think the coincidences don't exist. It's just, it's from any given point of limited perspective. You can't see how it's connected. Everything is connected because it is all within the same space time, same yeah. current, what we're manifesting, I guess, or interpreting is, is our universe, reality, whatever mm. given nomenclature we want to ascribe to it. Um, and yeah, I have lost my other point. Fuck sake. On that. I knew that was going to happen. I was going to say on that note, though, simple. that's exactly it. I actually did an animation for anyone that's seen it. It's called Sacred Geometry. And I have it so that Kahneman's sitting fucking meditating and he contemplates these kind of things. And, and I wrote the thing, um, like, two, I actually wrote what he says in it two seconds after it popped in my mind. It was like this stream of consciousness as I'm sitting on the couch uh, drawing. And I was like, fuck, so I wrote it down and then did the animation later. And that's exactly what we're describing. There is like an interlinking um, web, which is best, seen through geometric fractals and and and, and the, the interlinking nature of geometry and, and geometric fractals which is seen as i mentioned in the animation that's only like for a minute or whatever which is seen like on a on a micro scale as like a geometry or we'll see it on like cells as we all know you get a, you got a cell you go far enough we're not physical it's all vibrational um but there's an interlinking network there and it's built up from the from the ground up essentially all the way through and i think that's what we experience when we see things like synchronistic events or, or of those kind of natures is that what you're what you're witnessing is a physical representation of that geometric fractal and what you would see on a molecular basis through through a fucking microscope and you're like seeing two cells or atoms or whatever interacting with each other that and and then they respond in a manner which would be coordinated from our perspective. You then break that. You that's on a micro scale. You then come all the way up on a macro scale, and what would be regarded as a coordinated a molecule atom interacting on our perspective as human beings is regarded as a synchronistic event. And it's that's because relatively like a coincidence, if you want to use that term, which is obviously derogatory in my opinion. That's a coordinated thing. That's a that's a court like the things arrived on time and here I am to 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 make the most of this moment. That's a coordination, and you know what I mean. I have no doubt that who scientists watching this are like delete unsubscribe. Fuck that. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but, but again, this, this is what we said of one of the reasons why I've been wanting you back for so long is that again it's it's philosophical kind of fucking physics is what we're kind of talking about. And neither of us here are, are qualified in this. It's up from our limited sort of experience and readings and, and knowledge base. Um, but yeah, the thing, one of the things now that they're doing is like quantum lock. I don't know if you've seen quantum lock where yeah. they can like freeze uh, graphene magnets. And basically it, as long as it's super cooled, it, it doesn't, it isn't affected by gravity. It isn't affected by any force. It just sits, you touch it, it moves. It holds its, itself. 
it's a weird thing, but I mean, I think we're starting to now through quantum, uh, quantum mechanics and, and physics really start to at least conceptually scratch at the surface of the mechanics of how these things are entangled, how they operate uh, and interact together in this these, I want to say synchronistic ways, in these ways mm-hmm. that we just, we don't understand. I mean, Einstein scratched the surface of this with like spooky action at a distance and the, the two particles that were, were locked in their spin, you could take them to the other, or theoretically take them to the other end of the fucking universe, change one, it instantly changes the other. Yeah. We've then got China effectively claiming that, I don't know, I don't know the science of this, that they then took data from a chip on the earth uh, to a satellite because they basically uh, entangled these things together mm-hmm. on a quantum level and then taking them apart and one changed on the other. Again, don't understand enough of the fucking science of this. We're, we're moving to a realm where I can't conceptualize of any of this because none of us were really taught of this academically in schools. This was still like not even Star Trek future. It's We're starting to enter an era of of those people, of the pods that are enlightened, I think are not going to come from the the regions they're going to solve this. You know, it, it's going to be some guy in a car wash is going to come up with a fucking cure for cancer. I'm not saying like he's going to actually go, oh, what it is, is this protein plus this plus what? Mm, but yeah. he's going to have a hand in it in some way. Everyone's going to have, it's everything, everybody is entangled into everybody else to, to yeah. completely butcher all of this language. Um, but I think that then as we were saying, if that your right-hand turn appearing in front of you continually, your destiny, your fate, your mm-hmm. uh, passion, your mission, whatever the fuck it may be, um, I think that's because when enough people collide and they lock and it's mm. almost like neurons in a brain to then conceptualize a thought in that you have, Oh, this event happened in 1066 and this happened here and da, 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 da. and these thoughts are all over the fucking place. And then one day for some reason you're thinking about something and the neurons just connect mm. all of a sudden you see everything in a different way. You're, you're understanding it in a different way. Mm. And I think then we're almost like a giant brain. I think the, mm for all we can have our own independent thought and actions, the the human societies, we act as one ultimately for all we have binary politics and all the rest of it. There still seems to be a unifying experience under all of this that, I mean, my generation jokes, I'm 34 now and like, we're all just fucking classic Simpsons quotes and, and, mm-hmm. and do, do you know what I mean? And we, yeah. we, we live from a certain area and all grew up with the same technology. We had the same PlayStation, Xbox games. We had the same whatever that it just, so it, it almost created the same repetitious childhoods. Yeah. It does seem, I mean, that's one of the things that's quite interesting about this as well. Is like life is very cyclic. And I think you see it. There's a thing I've said two or three times where it's like, um, you know, you might see, uh, you see the seasons change. You know, it's winter and autumn, these different things, summertime, all that kind of thing. And there is an emotional equivalence to that. And I think that's where you can get, you probably find if people were to document this through a diary throughout the year, each person and look back on the 10 years, what they'll probably find is they might, receive um opportunity at the same time every year and it'll be in different forms or they might be extremely motivated at the same time every year or be really low at the same time every year and i think these things are determined on various factors which are which are obviously numerous and difficult to even define but um but on your point where you were all collectively one um experiencing one engagement you know one one experience um one i think i actually mentioned this in the last time we were speaking man was that I see us like that as well. Like each one of us is individuals and we, we refer to ourselves as, oh, I'm an individual unit, blah, blah, blah. But do you know how I kind of vision ourselves um, as, and, and the example uses the human body. So the human body is one, was one unit of, of organism. And yet inside that human body, you have a billions of individual 
entities to use that word such as cells and each cell serves a different purpose and yet on 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 so from the perspective it seems ridiculous but from the perspective of a cell you're a single cell you're just you, you mm-hmm. you're going to go around there and fix that and then fuck off all that kind of shit but on the on the macro scale you're a, like so there's billions contained within one so it really and that's what i mean about the that's what the the, the animation about the sacred geometry um, is that the reality is we we are all it's like there's that that layering thing but i have this thing where it's like the the more you look at a single point the more that single point becomes more complex and that's what i would say represents for that thing so every time you if you look at a cell build it build it up then you've got a fucking human organism and then you you've come even further from that you've got a human society you've got a country you've got a town you've got like that never stops and i think that's what that's what the the layering phenomena is that i was mentioning before about the animation these are little periphery aesthetic examples of a greater reality that's what's going on there, there is like things like creating music and all that kind of thing the process of creating music will almost be identical to the process from the a molecule all the way through to how galaxies are formed and it sounds so silly it sounds probably unrealistic but that's how it that is how it's perceived there's a layering phenomena and everything and do you know what what makes me more confident in this thing not only the fact that it feels like there's intuition screaming at me that that's the way this life is is that you look at the so-called occultist societies occult's not a negative word it just means hidden obviously but you look at these occultist societies that's what they talk about you go thousands of years ago and you've got occultist societies um you know cabalistic societies talking about as is above so is below that's a that's a very famous term that what what you see on the on the macro is represented on the micro and yet that's that's thousands of years ago before we had technology to to prove this through scientific methods and that's a filter mentioned before that's a philosophical intuitive thought process which you fast forward away now seems to be very much the reality and i think that's what it should be like what should be credited is that the, the human ability to intuit um should be given more credibility because intuition yeah. is probably the most underrated sense or, or ability that humans have intuition can not only save your life but it can build your life and yet you're yeah. like trying to think what the fuck is intuition a spidey sense Are you kidding me well, what is intuition it's, it's a for- form of intelligence i mean i butcher freud and say of the three states of consciousness of the ego the superego and the it is that it's you, you head your heart your horror so mm-hmm. horror being the old word word for in- instinct of intelligence and your heart being the emotional center and your brain being the processing center uh linguistics fucking complex mathematics etc you know with, with the frontal lobe and um i think that yeah that when you align these 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 states when you meditate or you mm-hmm. kind of deliberately remove yourself from society like that sort of did with the woods you you operate where all of them are in alignment mm-hmm. so you want food you need food so you're hungry so instinct goes right we need to find fucking food quickly brain then hasn't got all the other distractions so it's like all right we need food so then you then have an emotional almost reaction to oh, I get to really enjoy this food and sit and you, you're present with it. It's the alignment of, of these these sort of states, I think, is, is vitally important. And yeah, it is basically like a spidey sense almost. It's yeah. it's, it's it works faster than you. You've got to remember, even our, our eyes taking information. What is it like eight thousandth of a second? Uh, we process after we've we've seen the image sort of thing. So we're always delayed by what the fuck is happening. Then you've got to think of the delay, obviously, when you then got to speak something and act, whereas that sort of thing will pull you back when you're about to step in front of a bus. You know, it makes you do yeah. something sort of silly and you catch yourself and you go, what the fuck was that? And it was mm-hmm. your body perceived a danger that just didn't happen to manifest in that moment sort of thing. And some people become quite heightened with that in the same way your emotional intelligence gets, you know, people get to describe themselves as, as empaths where they're yeah. just so aware as you described it before of the negativity and they just they absorb all this stuff and it weighs heavy on them mm-hmm. and then obviously you've got people that are just entirely 
um, sort of like problem solvers and are just driven by sort of information, but then can't, you know, humble themselves, you know, keep themselves in check. And I think that as a society, yeah, we only really value cognitive intelligence because mm -hmm. it works well for productivity under capitalism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also like the most explicit empirical thing that's in, in science. You know, you have to have this academic foundation of intelligence. You, you attempt to apply in, intuition towards a scientific experiment and watch yourself get laughed at the fucking room. You know, it's like, I intuitively think this will happen. Mate, sit down, take his white coat. He's no... But it's in, it's interesting, though, but we have gambling. What's gambling is betting, people using their intuition to try and make money. Mm. It, it's it's an in, interesting... Um... Oh, I lost my other fucking point, damn it. It's, I've just got some new cherry pie recently, and I think yeah. it's... Uh, I have it's actually not, not purposely not smoked today, man, because I knew <laughs> we were talking. And I know that's what's been happening, because I've been like smoking. I've been trying to use it more as a tool recently. And, mm. uh, and and so that's what I've been doing. I've like, I'll have like a talk, two talks, and I'll start getting busy working on that. And that's what I've realized, man, is like... I have like half a joint, man, and nothing gets done. So I like, fuck's sake, man. So I'm literally yeah. at a stage where I'm like, right, man, I'll just take a couple of, like I have half a joint before I go to my bed, kinda of as I'm washing something. Mm. Um, yeah, but, I, I really slowed down when I came back from the woods, but it's it's tradition. It's recording. I've gotta to have to I've gotta to have to uh what is uh, Bill Marcy? Clover cigarettes in case you're listening uh, YouTube. <laughs> um for, for the show, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> but yes, right. evidently this one is having a consequence. Shout out to BSB. You've uh, produced a good cherry pie there, lads. Nice. Um but yeah, in terms of our sense of, of, of consciousness, um, it's weird though, because we use the intellectual, um, uh, then becomes sort of the academic pursuits to try and understand the others, to try mm. and understand like a mother's instinct. We've spent fucking millions trying to understand how like a parent can understand when a kid's feeling pain. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It started with people like, uh, what the fuck was his name? Uh, behavioralism guy, BF Skinner and all them yeah, yeah. and Pavlov and... Yeah. forever we're trying to understand instinctive response sort of thing and then we've got the entirety of antiquity and human history up to now trying to understand dreaming love for love for fuck's sake is one of the largest aspects of human life mm -hmm. and none of us can quantify it yeah can you fuck we've spent forever trying to and it, we still just it's it's a feeling yeah. and then even that becomes abstract of what then the fuck is a feeling Mm. Again, it's, it's then a separate kind of intelligence. If you think one thing and you can feel another, that's two forms of like, it, that's a, an intellectual mm. conversation or an invitation to one in your own consciousness to then go, well, why do I feel this way? Why do I think this way? And then if you can quiet in yourself, you'll often hear your instinct kind of go and, and make it. You know, they often say like, if you stick between a, a one or like a decision of A and B or one and two, you know what I mean? Yeah. To, is to flip a coin and in the air, you'll know which one you wanted it to be mm. before you've even caught it. You'll, you've got all oh, the heads as this, tails that, and then but you cl claim the one you want, you flick it in the air, and you already you know. You instantly, something, that instinct kicks in and goes, that I wanted this. Do mm. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's funny, because what popped to mind <clears throat> when you're talking about the intelligence thing about science and stuff like that, it was like, again, I'm like, Similar to yourself, man, as I can see from some of the Buddhist stuff and that you've got on the go, and I think maybe in your living room or something like that with some of the pictures you put up, um, was that uh, like I'm a huge fan of like, the I Ching and uh, Buddhism and Stoicism, these kind of things. And in the in the Tao, they say that the more you focus on an individual element of the of the Tao, Tao, whatever, um, Scottishness, fucking butchering this shit here, man. <laughs> um, but it's like in the, in the, if you're only focused on one element of the Tao, you lose all sense of what the Tao is. And if you look at science, it's exactly that. They focus, they specialize in one factor and you specialize in biology or chemistry or physics. And the reality is you then become 
you, you become narrow visioned towards that. And I think that's what's so important about when you mentioned about meditation and you perfectly said um, by meditating, it allows every, all the other senses to become into alignment with the external. That's perfect because that's essentially what's required um, is, is like a, is like a, like realignment of baseline. Because at baseline, that's what you, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing you're seeing the dial for what it is. Is this this unified field of interaction, and you're just you're not even a fucking leaf in the wind, you know. And that's and that's why it's it's really important to I think to be honest. I mean, I say this to my sons all the time. It's important to because he was actually oldest. He was talking about the BBC, and he was oh the BBC said this, BBC said that, and I was telling him he's 17, and he's like I was like you have to remember, buddy. I was like BBC is like only watching just say Rangers TV. I was like, mm -hmm. there's tons of other football teams as well. I was like, the best thing to do, I was like, is to look across a diverse range of media. I was like, you should look at things like Al Jazeera, RT News, Press TV, BBC as well, if you want, and all these different other media organizations, because what you're going to get is a broad spectrum insight um, towards what's actually going on. And the same thing happens with general knowledge. And I don't mean general knowledge in a pop sense. I mean general knowledge and what's going on in the universe and life and the world, blah, blah, blah. To look at only the Tao, to look at only, um, you know, like Christianity or, or only science, is to only look at a part of the entire of the machine and, and in order to truly understand uh, not even understand because none of us are in a position of truly understanding ever we can't be we're, we're too fallible um, but to, to get into a position where you feel confident that you're at least attempting to learn in the right direction requires you to look at all of them it requires that because then you can at least have a, 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 an insight or at the very minimum by looking at all the diverse ranges of, and, and particularly cross-cultural um, attempts at understanding the same thing. So if you look at philosophy, as we've mentioned, and they're describing the mechanics of the universe, and then, then it's very um, to your benefit to then nip over to science and look at what the science is saying about it, because these are two separate dynamics, which are essentially, if they come to the same conclusion, you're looking at a fundamental normative truth as a consequence of that. Um, whereas if you only look at science, then you get bogged down and then you disregard any other form of thought. Um, but it's very... It's very humbling to to look cross culturally and to look at as diverse a range of of um, human knowledge as you can because it's invigorating. You kind of get you feel like you're you're it feels like you're you're running down the rabbit hole. That's what it feels like. Yeah, I think for me it's kind of the feeling I get when I read a book or uh, reading an article online or something like that that you're almost being kind of welcomed into a secret society of knowledge that is shared in in a different way, in a slow, locked way. Um, as I said to you prior to recording, one of the the, the books I decided to reread, actually I, I read in the woods, was 1984. Mm -hmm. And I see how they modify, like Winston's job is to modify and change the news to make sure that yesterday reflects what today's truth is. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we live in an age where, even if that isn't necessarily fucking true, we're still seeing that everything is, is fallible, changeable. It's moving so fucking fast. It's hard to, to physically hold knowledge in your hand. Mm -hmm. But it's the, this continual stream. You have to then get into the water and go with it. You can't just go and fill a cup and go, I now have knowledge. <laughs> it's, it's not you have to strip off and get into that fucking water and you become the water. Mm -hmm. You become knowledge and it's not then a chore or a pursuit. It's For me, it's it's satiety. It's satisfaction. It's a, 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 a cessation, a stopping of, I don't know why there's so many fucking words came to mind there. Sorry, folks. Um, of the hunger beyond not like food or anything else, but like if... Ah, I know that. Ah, satisfies for a minute. Then the brain, the stream of consciousness kicks back in, the waves hit the shore, and there's a new, all right, let's explore the different things that have landed. And it's, mm -hmm. I think that if you don't take the, the opportunity to deal with the stimuli, the information, everything that's come prior, 
you can never then rely on yourself to actually deal with the stimuli that you've got currently if you need it. You can't be present if you don't have the computer capability, as it were, like, and you see in your CPU to if you want to digitize it in this analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to then you know empty that recycle bin, go through those folders, see what the fuck is there. Is this relevant? Is this useful? And that is that introspection, that that self-help, that's cliche, it's not self-help, that self-work, you know, that, that we should all be engaged in. And it's not selfish, but the reason we're told that it is and we're pushed to is that it's it's detrimental to capitalism. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was, was Aristotle who said that he is content as he requires least. Mm-hmm. And if you truly start to understand that, you really become dangerous to a system that is dependent on you cyclically giving over everything you can, you know, giving selling your labor for tokens to buy shit that you're only stimulated to because you watch TV and it's full of adverts. Or yeah. do you know what I mean? You have these desires that are not yours, they are foreign that are downloaded into you for you to then just continue about as a busy little worker bee. But I imagine even in in, in the colonies. Every now and then, as they're flying about, a little bee in its own way must must. I'm not necessarily going. Oh, what is it to be a bee? But must still have <laughs> to be or not to be. That's a question. But, but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then it must be. This bee. This language is so fun. Yeah. Um, for that bee, it must be like. Um, <laughs> it, it must be like that. You just you probably you're just doing it. It's instinctive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's a word I went to pull that I can't quite think of a concept that I'm not going to try to say because I can't think of the fucking name of it. <laughs> but basically, I, I still imagine that there's got to be an internal struggle within that as each iteration of consciousness, with each repetition of those neurological uh, neurons sort of firing and connecting, that it must just do something random. It must just... That's why, you know, like, bees inside houses that just don't want to fucking leave or whatever. I'm telling you, there's, there is something intrinsic to consciousness that despite our programming, our preset nature consciousness rebels against and the more you can strengthen that muscle that is your brain to actually discern information to be critical to be aware to be you know as as least reactive as possible as proactive as possible mm-hmm. then you, as you said with the bird in its wings that's you strengthening yourself to be able to deal with the bullshit of the world i mean we need this as a society we saw this as you were saying before with like the with science becoming I must, I guess, in a new religion, it was almost weaponized against us. I'm not going to say the C word, but mm. during the, the pandemic period, um, in that we were told to trust the science, follow the science. And yet there were a myriad of individuals, a lot of scientists saying that mm. the science, and then there's what the fuck you're doing with this political politicizing. Mm. Yeah. And it's, again, there was a weaponization of our emotional intelligence that then tricked us to turn off our intellectual intelligence and ignore our, our, our instinctive intelligence. Do you know mm. what I mean? 100%. And so I think as a society, to be healthy, to be functional, mm-hmm. it needs the majority populace to be able to, at a global issue, to be able to be critical and go, wait, what the fuck's happening here? Yeah. Because we are not where we were 100 years ago. And I don't even know the politics of back then. I can't even, I can only even guess at it. Of the, of the good old days. But <laughs> politicians have always lied. They're always going to have fucking lied. So even any narrative that we have of history that we look to and go, oh, that's where it should know. It's never been what it's been. Mm-hmm. If when you talk to the people, they'll tell you this. You talk to anybody, fucking 70, 80, they'll tell you what they've actually fucking experienced. And it's the, yeah, politicians have always lied. The capitalism has always got more and more rampant. The systems mm-hmm. have got more and more unrestrained and uh, just, as we said before, cannibalizing itself. Yeah, that's what makes me believe that there is that there's a cyclic element similar to the seasons passing. But if you were to take it again on the, on the macro scale, you could look at it as potentially 
every three or 400 years, there's a cyclic change. So if you were to go back 400 years, you're looking at potentially the, the age of enlightenment and they'd be engaging with thoughts and, um, you know, criticisms and questions and conversations, which most likely would be very similar to what we're having now. You know, question what's been going on, questioning the narrative that was prior, you know, and these kind of things, you know, and most likely I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, the further you go back, the, the more likely... Um, I mean, even that, though, if you go back thousands of years, and you know, you'll be like, they, they still stand the test of time, Aristotle, Plato, all these different individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think when you're talking about there about the politics and that kind of thing, that it's interesting because, again... It's narrative, man. That's what that's what keeps popping to mind. Narrative. It's like we're in a life. Even you know, we have our own narrative inside our mind, discussing what we perceive the life. And then you've got the narrative of the television, and you've got the narrative of the work environment. You've got the, it's, it's very peculiar. It's like again that multi-layered element. Um, mm. when it comes to when I'm when I'm creating animations, it's so weird, man. I wish I, wish I could take this fucking picture off. I want to show you, but it'd be a bit effort. Um, but honestly, <laughs> it's, it's so it's so bizarre how that that you really can see the mechanics of of life through things that would ordinarily be disregarded you know you'd be like this is not that's non-related and yet it's like again that whole focus on a single point that becomes more complex it's like that's what it seems to be and i think that's why very often um, it frustrates me the, when, sorry to interject on, go, a second the thing that just came into fucking mind there is uh the the, the christian thing of fucking what does jesus say lift a stone and you will find me break a whatever it is and i am there right. um and that, it's the key it's the answer and I'm not saying Christianity or Jesus is the answer. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying here, folks. Um, I think I've made my religious stance pretty fucking uh, clear this far. Although I will say I am trying to find um, a Christian prohibitionist at the minute to come on as a guest and kind of have a, like a cannibalism and all of that stuff sort of yeah. conversation. You know what I mean? Oh, wait, um, in fact, you know who you should get on? Because I, I was going to uh, email him, um, but I, I never got around to it. But there's a guy that wrote, um, he would be brilliant. I'm pretty certain he was in the, he was in the Joe Rogan podcast, but considering Dennis McKenna and your fucking line of people, man, I have no doubt he'd be up for it. Um, but he wrote a book called uh, Warn Your Children or or like uh, or something like, uh, what was it? Um, tell Your Kids or Tell Your Children. And it was all about how cannabis is like super crazy, dangerous. It's going to turn, his main thing was that cannabis is related to aggression. And uh, that kind of causes oh, people to be aggressive. Uh, that guy, you should get uh, him on, man. He'd be fucking brilliant. Yes, I know exactly who you mean, but I can't pull his name. Um, the Bad Hitchens. The bats are terrible way of describing it. There's two. <laughs> there was two brothers. One of them is obviously very uh, more liberal than the other. Uh, I can't remember the names of them. And the uh, the other one died. And I don't want to say the good one. That's a really. I'm really butchering this. Oh, mm. uh, come on. Oh, do you mean like Christopher Hitchens? And that yeah, yeah, it was yeah, Chris, yeah, yeah. Christopher and Peter Hitchens. It's Peter Hitchens is yeah. the guy who's in the UK has been pushing infinitum that cannabis is related to violence. He started publishing pieces in a, not the Guardian, the Telegraph maybe or some something of that kind of ilk. Um, yeah, basically claiming like terrorist suicide bombers and stuff. And then there was obviously some kid in Britain. I think the bombing of I, I can't even say a name. Grande, I, I and I and I can't. Right. Do you know who I mean? The no. singer. Oh, Ari- that, Arianda. Ari- Arianda. Ariane Grande or something like that. I can't Ariana say, I Grande. can't pronounce her name without seeing it written down right now. I kind of pronounce it. <laughs> but you know who I mean? Yeah, there's a bomb yeah, yeah. at Manchester City Stadium. You know, obviously, tragedy, rest in peace to the people who obviously died and maimed. Um, but the guy who perpetrated it, Peter basically came and said, oh, there's history of cannabis. He uses cannabis. Ego, he did it because of cannabis. So yeah. it was very much like a, whoa. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, that would be an interesting episode. If you could sure. get him on, that'd be phenomenal. But definitely, that bo- that did with the book because he was on. He was like proper fucking raging. And the thing is, as well, when they say that like cannabis is relating to like aggression and blah blah blah, it's like what they're essentially doing is being extremely selective, and they're choosing people who have 
overindulged and who already have a tendency towards that kind of behavior. And as we all know, because when I was reading over this stuff before I was going to email him, obviously I fell on his arse, but in my mind I was like, well, it makes sense in the sense that they would go, oh, cannabis causes aggression in these individuals because cannabis is like the amount of the the on the limbic system, the amount of uh, cannabinoid receptors, which are that's the, essentially your central area of interaction. Essentially, when you ingest cannabis, is that you it's it's the nucleus of the brain when you're ingesting cannabis. That's what causes the emotional response. Is because of the diverse range. And I just thought it was extremely naive and um, just so selective that they would it would create an entire book based on this small small fraction. It's in the same sense as turning around and saying that yeah. Um, in fact, it's not the same as that because alcohol is known for that. But the point is, alcohol. The kind of the point is, cannabis is a tool, and it should be utilised in a sense. And if you like, and and depending on how you use it, will be reflective of its end result. If you're an individual that requires a certain amount of cannabinoids for medicine, that will be. Is it Alex Berenson? That's the guy, man. That's the guy. Tell your children the truth about marijuana, melted mental illness, and violence. Yeah, that's right, and it's, it's ridiculous because this is that's what they're doing. They're taking a small fraction of highly sensitive individuals whose consumption was not proportionate with their biological requirement, and as a consequence of that. The, the, there was a negative response. It does not reflect the fucking plant. You put a cannabis plant in a fucking living room and watch it hit somebody. It won't move. And that's the whole point. It's like cannabis is is a tool. And it's the most, that's the thing that bugs me so much is that the reality is, actually, I've said this to people in the past, do you know even the negative size of cannabis should be told to people as an example that is fucking better than everything else available? Oh yeah, cannabis, one of the side effects that will give you dry mouth and it'll give you some like red eyes and you might feel comfortable and know what I move. Fucking hell, man. That's mm-hmm. yeah, that's way better than everything else. So even in that's what always when I look at the side effects of these things, like even the side effects are evidence that cannabis should be fucking legal. You know, it's just it's it's, it's ridiculous, man. This just... this, this looks mental. Uh, that guy's whether, whether, I, whether I can justify the tenant or actually buy that to read it, but geez. so yeah, former New York Times reporter, uh, award winning author. And this was obviously written quite a while ago because it, the uh, bio on it says, or the synopsis says that it was uh, recreational marijuana is legal in nine states. Obviously, that's closer to 19 or 20 at uh, yeah. this point. But yeah, the, most of all, THC, the chemical in marijuana responsible for the drug's high, can cause psychotic episodes. After decades of study, scientists no longer seriously debate if marijuana causes psychosis. That is genius language. Yeah. Fucking genius. So obviously that's the lie, can cause uh, psychotic episodes. But then after decades of study, scientists no longer seriously debate if marijuana causes psychosis because they don't, because it doesn't. Yeah. But the way they present it, it's why I love and hate this fucking language of ours. It's yeah. so powerful, so manipulative. It's like, so he's putting a, a, a presupposition, he's making a, a claim, and then he's putting a non reference, a, a non, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A relevant fucking yeah. sentence on afterwards, but it makes it a completely different, like reading the sentence of it. Oh, all right. He's he's somewhat of a again actually looking at that guy's profile. I'm after maybe making. I guess he, he's a belter, right? Because when he goes into Rogan, he does the Joe Rogan thing, man. Obviously, as you cannabis fucking Joe Rogan, he loves it, but it's brilliant. He does a really good job. But what's cool when I was reading over that guy's stuff is exactly what you're describing when he says stuff like he would say things like everybody knows that that this and then insert the rest of the sentence like just because you say like scientists have said. That doesn't mean scientists have fucking said. You may have had one guy having a fucking pint and, and casually, oh, he's a scientist, so scientists have said. It's like, and it's that, that seems to be pretty consistent. And the thing that should be- Scary eyes. The, the thing that should be said is that the reality is every substance, 
will have a small fraction or depending on the substance, a, a, a large fraction of individuals, they'll be sensitive to it and there'll be negative consequences as a result of their ingestion. Um, but that does not, but these things should be um, put on a scale of proportion. And the truth is, as we, as we all know, man, it's like alcohol is the deadliest one. Alcohol is the most, the, 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 the most deadly fucking, you know, one in five deaths, you know, 5% of all diseases. Um, it shouldn't you be see, a conversation anymore. Mm, exactly. It's interesting. He uh, he spent the past few years writing about COVID. By the looks of it, he's yeah. also a, a novelist. Likes to write about CIA, fictional CIA agents. Um, he, interesting. It, yeah, interesting that somebody of that kind of ilk as a reporter would go the way. Actually, no, it's not because we live in a world where obviously certain things have to have certain legitimacy. So I, for example, uh, even with lived experience and with the people that I know and the knowledge base and the, all the, everything that we produce and all the conversations and everything, that's, that's not relevant to them. That's, that's bullshit from their position and their perspective, we're druggies doing druggy stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I can understand well, that. That's, that's... They, they'll go to the other legitimate sources that are repeating the narrative and the narrative is cannabis is bad. Why? Cause we say it's bad. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, that's the same thing. That's the reason I'll be honest. Uh, simple. That's the reason why I that fucking book, the A Case for Cannabis, that one. Mm-hmm. That was the, that I wrote this before I started the channel, A Case for Cannabis. And the reason I wrote that is that's academically referenced and that's got like, I had all the research at the time and I'm relatively um, chuffed with it just because of the fact that it's, a lot of the stuff's still relevant, um, still up to date. But the reason I wrote that was exactly what you're describing. I was like, I'm going to do a YouTube channel and I'm eventually going to make an animation series, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, nobody's going to take me seriously, man, because I'm not a fucking, I don't have credentials and they're just going to see me as some guy that's promoting something that I enjoy. So in order to get uh, credibility, I have to have um, evidence. And that's what that was for. And that's what's, that's, that's what's so, uh, it's that thing it's like it's we might as well be wearing a fucking t-shirt that says i love cannabis and so when you're walking in a conversation people immediately go oh well wonder what his opinion is it's like <laughs> look this is actually this is it's more you know the, something it's just sometimes frustrating when you already when you walk into a situation and people know your bias in some way without asking the reason why because if you then they assume that you're just biased because you're ignorant and it's just not the truth at all um and it's, that i'd be surprised and i know i'm aware again we all have an endocannabinoid system, all these different things. Some people are sensitive. Some people can't um, tolerate cannabis um, at all. Some people can tolerate an enormous amount. This, even, that's I mean, man, nobody's died from cannabis unless it's fucking fallen on them. So that should be legal. Well, I'd kind of even argue with the the language of legal. Um, I don't know if you saw the Daryl Bickler episode. Uh, I forgive anybody um, watching that hasn't seen it. It's about three hours long. Uh, but Daryl's a former UK solicitor, and we basically discussed kind of the nuance of the language. And right. we can't legalize cannabis because it's not illegal. So they've made it illegal for human actions and interactions. So cannabis growing, it's not illegal. Cultivation is illegal because cultivation is defined in UK law as the act of, uh, sorry, germination is illegal um, and cultivation and cultivation and germination are both defined as the act of the human intent, human intended to make that seed, which is a souvenir, benign, whatever food source, they, int- they made it into a drug by putting it in soil, by intentionally germinating it through whatever process, by then cultivating it, You've, you, the drug itself is not illegal, what you are doing is illegal. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. they come and obviously take the plants off you because they, they can't or they don't want to then lot of the for some reason have made it that they don't lock you up. Mm. But then you are liable to that inanimate object because you've then grown it, you are punished for having that object. The object doesn't get punished, it gets destroyed. Mm. You know, it's it's a it's a benign thing. It would 
has no intention. It didn't know if you were going to make fucking RSO or sorry, FECO and fucking help like 12 people with fucking cancer or whether you were just going to get real fucking high. <laughs> the plant doesn't know. It's not until you've then given it that sort of intention. But the way that the law works is quite quite smart. They can't criminalize it. It's, it's unlawful and not illegal. And I know that sounds like a, a nuance, but uh, imagine the same with a knife. Mm-hmm. Knives are, are lawful, uh, sorry, are legal because they're not illegal. But mm-hmm. being legal means they're still lawful or unlawful. So a knife in your kitchen at home, perfectly lawful. You take that knife outside without reason, like you're a chef going to work, mm-hmm. or say if it was part of like a camping pack or whatever, you get this, this, the circumstances that kind of lean towards it not being unlawful possession. But then if you were caught with that knife, then yeah, like I said, it would, they would treat it as a weapon. It'd be unlawful possession. It wouldn't be that the knife's illegal. It's that you've done the wrong, air quotes, wrong thing with the knife. Yeah. So they're basically, the way they got around it with cannabis was licensing and permission that without expressed permission or license, you cannot do X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, kind of how the, the thing about that. Oh, so exactly. That, 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 new, like... that nuance, I agree entirely that it should just be liberated is the word mm-hmm. that I'm kind of going towards at this point is that cannabis consumers and well just people humans should be liberated of our consciousness should be liberated we should have sovereignty o- over our, our st- sense uh, sorry our uh, sense of self you know our, our 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 consciousness at all times really it's it's that's all we are and all we can really have in the world for all you can you know gather possessions you can have a larger and larger home and do whatever you still only really have what's in your fucking head Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? And so yeah. then to not be able to lawfully be able to fuck around with that, whether it be through, you know, ingesting mushrooms that happen to grow wild about this time every year, folks, if you happen to know some highly agricultural uh, fields nearby that might be productive this time of year, there are yeah. wonderful nippleless uh, little skirty little things. I'm sure if you quickly give them a Google, they might be able to help you. I'm not sure how far I can skirt with YouTube's guidelines with that one. I actually, funny you should, sorry, I was going to, on that note, man, I actually... Uh, Two days ago, I think. Was it two days ago? Um I got a video taken down. It was Dr. Bob Melamed. Um they got they took it down for um a violation of medical misinformation. This is a guy that's highly fucking educated. He has like credentials coming out of his fucking ears relating to everything we're discussing and and yet they, they took it down and the thing is that it was the, the, the main thing he was talking about because it's frustrating because what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to go around the back door to then get because I don't have the video that uploaded it and it must have been on the last computer or the, or the hard drive or whatever so what I'm going to have to do is I've copied the link and I have to go through this thing called um, like past history or something which is a website which allows you access to previous content or something like that and I'm going to just once I get the website up and running just upload it there because that's what he was describing was the fact that we're becoming um, kind of sapiens so that's what the next stage is because of our endocannabinoid system being deficient for so long we're going to ingest a large number of cannabinoids in the near future and as a consequence of this um, in near to long term future we will inevitably change as human beings as a consequence of having this crucial um ingredient that our biology needs um and that's what he was referring to us as we're not going to be homo sapiens it's going to be kind of sapiens um and it was extremely in depth and i got taken down <laughs> that is but, such a shame man because again it, yeah. it it makes sense that even if again this is why the content like this has to be able to exist just for conversational sake you wouldn't mm-hmm. walk into a pub and shut some guys up that were talking some bullshit about time travel it's just there has to be space for these conversations yeah. do you know what i mean we, we both openly admit that we're not academics that we're not qualified for a lot of the things that we're talking about here and that's not necessarily the point of it to have mm-hmm. the conversation is 
in and of itself the reason is an excuse is it is it but to go back to where i was sort of heading before before i get derailed is you know terence mckenna in fucking uh Snow dave theory mm-hmm. you know was interacting with things like psilocybin and, and entheogenic plants and obviously then with with, with cannabinoids there's obviously not necessarily consensus science on this obviously the fact that cannabinoids are present in all uh invertebrates all mammals at least um suggests that it wasn't just humans having it in their diet that meant that the cannabinoids are there it is then somehow another synchronistic event with the universe that happens to be we're deficient in something that nature then goes oh oh here, here, here you go we haven't got a war with it for effectively 100 fucking years mm-hmm. but all that ever did was was make it stronger and larger and like you say we're going to end up with a point where corporate legalization is going to happen globally it's it's an inevitability it's mm-hmm. one of the things i want to talk to you about actually quickly uh just to kind of get it on record since it's news this week is is biden but we'll we'll circle back to his sort of announcement um but yeah i think that's a really interesting point that it's going to cause a forced mass evolution or at least in a certain subsect of the population that all of a sudden instead of consuming on mass effectively daily a neurological and physiological toxin and poison in alcohol they then start consuming something that helps promote uh fucking um neurogenesis what we're thinking here balance uh there's a word for it then homeostasis of. homeostasis you know it helps promote yeah neurogenesis neuroplasticity it starts to promote um the function uh more Correct foot, oh, correct, terrible bit of language. My words suck today. Uh, the the fungi improves the functionality of other systems. We understand this from reproduction through for respiration, and that's even just in the endocannabinoid system. They're now looking at a larger hub of net, network of where it's working throughout in the body. We now understand that obviously cannabinoids are effectively neurotransmitters in the brain as well. So we, instead of suppressing and repressing the brain, you're going to be pumping more into it. And consequently, what that's going to do to a society, we can see that where cannabis has been air quotes legalized in various states in america they very quickly start to have conversations about ending the drug war about funding kids education about play parks about you know oh the the streets should be paved everywhere not just in the nice place they start to actually yeah they have the resource to do it but also the will suddenly people are like yeah i've got enough shit others can have <laughs> some shit you know what i mean like if i keep growing this good weed i am very happy to to let this go you know what i mean and it's Rather than that kind of selfish, egoic reality that, especially in the UK, but Northern Europe is suffering massively of a a population, in my opinion, that is over-consuming coca-ethylene. So they're consuming cocaine and alcohol together, and it is just so egoic of a substance and so me and what's in front of me that the idea of helping another person... Whereas then you've got another subsection of culture that are just taking mushrooms and MDMA and just want to love and help everybody, and they're just... Mm. We have these pockets in the stone, and it's like if we can just liberate our consciousness and everyone come together, we'll soon find out what we've known all along. That we're all the same fucking people seeking the same fucking answers in the same reality. Yeah. We're all different shades, tastes, flavors, and colors, and whatever else, but it's still this, in my opinion, it still feels like it's the same consciousness manifest. It's like the, the, the earth is, is, I don't know if it was in the TV or the film version of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, where it says that the earth was created to basically solve the equation mm. of what is the meaning of life. And the meaning of life was then earth it, to, mm. to live. And I think that then it is to love, it is to share, it is to have those rapturous, enlightened, you know, present moments that we get a revel in, whether that's being at the foot of a waterfall, holding your child, you know, eating some really good fucking nachos, watching your team kick the fuck out of your rival team. It mm. doesn't matter. It's the little pleasures, those, in, those connective bits of joy. I think 
that's what is the kind of the purpose of it. But in that, we're we're stuck with these grand questions. You know, like what is life? What does it mean to be human? And mm-hmm. yeah, there's a great deal of answers within. But I think it's not just within ourselves; it's within each other because you have a way of articulating the same things I'm seeing, mm-hmm. but in a way that will change, that'll rewire yeah. my brain so I can see it better. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, so the more we can share this information constantly, not just homogenize. I've been trying to come up with a term recently for what I feel is happening in society. And I'm saying monoism. It's probably going to be something in architecture or art or whatever, but in the, everything is becoming singular. So first they reduced everything to be binary. It's left, it's right, it's it's up, it's down, it's whatever. Do you know what I mean? Uh, through, through politics, through whatever else. And it became that you like or dislike this, thumbs up, thumbs down. Do you know what I mean? It's oversimplistic. And now we're moving into a, a monoistic society and world where it's something happens, they click, that's it, the grand old they click their fingers, mm-hmm. and we all fucking dance to that, that, that beat. You know what I mean? Everyone just falls in line. And it's through self-policing mechanisms and whatever, but it's also like Pavlovian conditioning that we're just, mm. we're taught to hate who we're taught to hate. We're taught to, oh, we love this person now. I mean, look at the fucking queen dying. I'm sorry mm. to bring that up again, folks, but you know I me, mean? I'm a staunch fucking Republican. I am so against the, the, the idea of monarchy is offensive to me. Mm. The king and queen in this age, it is just, it's the ultimate symbol of why we don't have sovereignty over our, our own consciousness ourselves. If you... You know, I will not bow to any man or woman or any human in any form or guise unless they have earned my respect. Mm. You will not have it through bloodline or entitlement. It's 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 repugnant. Mm-hmm. Gone off on one there on the fucking. No, at all, man. No, at all. I fully agree. To be honest, right. <laughs> one of the things I, that popped to mind is simple when you're talking about the the click scenario and this. Uh, was it monoism? Is that what you're describing Mon- it as? Monoism. It's a monoism. loose term. That it's, at least that's what I'm saying in my own head, so I know the collective term when I'm talking about it. Yeah, no, I, I fully understand what you're saying because it does. It's very unusual because internet. I, I think about um, you know the 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 large proportion of individuals you see on the train, see on the bus, you know, and they're just on their phone. Actually, the next you know nice wee fucking plug there, but the next the next episode of the season, um, is called Day of Donnies, and the, the kind of man and Donny go to the Museum of Technology, and one of the things that starts off is that everybody's on their phone, and that's what it is. And and what I find relatively peculiar about these things is um the importance, as we've mentioned before, of consciousness. Now, the thing that precedes consciousness essentially is attention. And um, what you focus your attention on is uh, you allow the door to be opened towards your conscious thought. And and if you look at the way technology is, although it's allowed this um, unified field of information where you can access it to further your, your, your conscious um, inquiry, one of the things that's also very apparent is the level of control that's been a apply to steal consciousness um, and, and how these algorithms are tailored to promote a specific, again, narrative, a, a specific perspective of the world. Um, and depending on the, the, the climate of uh, those architects um, of society that they, they desire at the time, or well, whether it'll be conflict through, you know, um, gender identity, conflict through, through politics, different form, conflict through this, this, and this. But it does seem to be that there's a, there's a consistency of stealing consciousness because the reality is, as we're describing, even when you mentioned it, like us describing, neither two of us have, have credentials. You know, I mean, I've got a white coat, but I'm not a fucking scientist. <laughs> it's like that kind of thing. And but, but at the same time, what is it we're trying to achieve here? We're trying to achieve an extension of, of conscious thought through the process of articulation and an articulated word is, is what it comes down to. And and that's that's where, you know, political correctness, the, the, the reduction in what we've 
what we thought was free speech, all these different other things. It's so important to understand that you need to preserve your, your consciousness and need to engage with them, um, um, like further dialogue to, to really extend upon what's going on. Because it does seem to be that that's what's, that what's happening is just that it's like, like, I mean, fuck, man, you remember that. We were essentially a similar age. You go back and it's like, stay away from the TV. You're going to break your eyes. You fast forward 15 years and you've got a fucking VR stuck to your face. You fucking kidding me, man? And that's what it's like. And so so there is an invasive and then you're going to the next stage is Neuralink. Although these things, even though there is a, the other flip side of technology, um, I mean, you mentioned it before where it was The Simpsons. It was like, I think there's a bit where Mo um, is like uh, when they're all kids and it's like, like uh, I think it's like the uh, uh, <laughs> it's like Homer's mum. We used to be like this rebel, this happy rebel. So they go into the the germ warfare place to destroy it, mm-hmm. and they're all like, "Yeah, fuck germ warfare, fuck these fucking scientist bastards." And then and then they're all running away, and then something falls, and then falls on Mo, and he goes, "Oh shit! I hope medical science can save me." So there is this fucking there is this um, paradigm of that again. It's kind of like the same as any form of substance. There is a moderation that's required in order to to maximize the utility of the thing you're engaged in, and that moderation is distorted through individuals who have malevolent intentions. And that's where when you look mm-hmm. at things like technology and kind of thing, there is a malevolent undertone to technology. Look at TikTok. TikTok, I mean, as I mentioned before, TikTok is, um, is essentially the best example for them explicitly trying to reduce everybody's attention span. You've got a, you've got a format which promotes minutes content. And if your content goes over a minute, you probably won't get fucking watched. And it's these kind of things. And that that reduction of that, and then you apply this whole minute content, 30 seconds, 15 seconds, and you apply that. I mean, TikTok's only been around for a very short period of time. You apply that to a generation for 20 or 30 years. What are you looking at? You're looking at a generation of people that can't read a full book. You're looking at a generation generation of people that can't engage with long-form dialogue. And that's that's potentially what could be a consequence of these, these, these malevolent things. And I'm aware yeah. that individuals would be like, there's a conspiratorial theme to what I'm describing here and that's not what i'm saying at all what i'm saying is there are individuals who have intention in fact it's perfect because i kind of want to talk to you about medical cannabis in the uk predominantly but there is because it's the same thing the, the, and the medical cannabis thing in the uk they say that there's a oh there's not a conspiracy behind fucking maintaining this privacy there's not a conspiracy it's like what they should do is they should remove the nature of oh it's a conspiracy that the uk is fucking hindering their legislation in order to fund this i did a anybody who's watching i did an animation that's called UK Medical Cannabis, and I touch on this. Um, and that's all it is, is that they say, oh, it's, a, it's not, and they say it so they can disregard any form of questioning of it. So they're like, to say that the the, the hindrance of the, the, the UK legislation towards cannabis, which has directly profited these private clinics, to say that that's a conspiracy is ridiculous. It does sound ridiculous to say it's a conspiracy. To say it's a marketing strategy, that sounds more realistic. Well, to say it's a strategic fucking move in the long term uh, through a various fucking various groups of individuals who financially benefit from this, that, that kind of touches more on what reality is like. Capitalism, the nature of capitalism. So we'll just we'll just hinder that legislation going through. And as a consequence, there are fucking millions, billions going into these private sectors. But it's a, it's a conspiracy if you thought that. Take away the word conspiracy and apply a marketing strategy. And then you're getting fucking closer to the truth and you can then have a conversation because that's what's going yeah. on. It's not it's not ignorance. Oh, wait, we've never passed these fucking laws. Let's hinder cannabis laws at the same time as, that's what I said in the animation, at the same time as give everybody just a small a small amount of fucking like cannabis just to tide them over. And I'm aware it's good to have access. I'm aware that we do require this. But I also find it relatively humorous that the price that you get from the clinics is just below the street price. Like just undercutting it. Like it's, fuck's it's, sake. It it is interesting. Uh, I'll I'll come back to why obviously medical cannabis is an absolute con in terms of the language. 
Um, but yeah, the the, the Albanians that are currently doing well for themselves, good on you lads. You, you've, you've owned basically every corner of this country at this point in terms of the cannabis supply. And yeah, even an expensive ounce from them these days is 140. And they've moved on from their dog and their ammy. They're on to their wedding cakes and various other things and the moving runs and whatever else. And it's interesting. The clinics are now at war with uh, the internationals of gangs and cartels. Mm-hmm. And the domestic producer is in the middle kind of being like, well, what the fuck do I do here? And it's, <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And to go back to sort of like words and magic, they did an incredible job with the marketing strategy of creating big M, big C medical cannabis, mm. um, as in them both being capitalized, being then a uh, uh, pronoun or proper noun, whatever the fuck it is, uh, basically then becoming in and of itself uh, a definition for something that isn't what the two words are. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so then they registered, uh, got it, so, sorry, um, defined under the legislation the medical cannabis equals a CBPM, a cannabis-based medicinal product for human consumption, which is yeah, then def- defined under the guidelines as is and or a cannabis preparation. So basically they're saying that medical cannabis is a CBMP and a CBMP is cannabis. Mm-hmm. So ergo medical cannabis is cannabis. Yeah. So the only reason all, all that, cannabis is medical. Yeah. So the only so we not the only reason they've created is not even medical; it's medicinal. So medical mm. is is defined to the study and field of medicine. Cannabis mm. doesn't belong to medicine. Cannabis is a plant. Mm. Cannabis can be used as a drug, to, to then uh, medicinally as a drug to then be used therapeutically by the individual. You mm. can then extract from that through the pharmacopic procedure to pharmacopic procedure to then create a, a drug, a patented drug, which is then cannabis derived. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, the, or yeah. even like synthetic, like uh, drabinol. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's then based on sort of on cannabis. That then would be medical cannabis, I would say, by that nature of the words, because it's come from and is of. It's entirely synthetic, so it's come from the medical field. Whereas then cannabis, the plant used medicinally, can't be medical because you're using it medicinally. And the same if you like get stung by a nettle, you could use a dock leaf or whatever. You wouldn't medically go and seek a medical dock leaf you'd find mm. the fucking dock leaf and you'd medicinally which is the action of using something uh therapeutically or as a medicine specifically uh herb plant or whatever the other word is on google uh, on uh oxford dictionary i was trying to read the thing in my head there but couldn't have been enjoying the weed today folks <laughs> and this has been yeah, a bit of an interesting conversation as far um but yeah the, the manipulation of that language it also then creates a, a fallacy and a false dichotomy uh in our attention and in our brains when you go well there's cannabis and there's medical cannabis mm-hmm. and so if medical cannabis is medicinal cannabis isn't mm-hmm. so for the authoritative system it's wonderful for them because they can then go well this stuff in the pot that you buy from us is medicine this is safe this is cool this is sweet mm-hmm. That other stuff, that's skunk, that's street weed, that's addictive, it causes psychosis. It allows them to keep both sides of this fucking um, cognitive dissonant barrier alive mm-hmm. in society. So everyone's then going, oh, cannabis is mint, it's a medicine. Yeah, those kids as teenagers are smoking it. It's skunk, it's going to ruin their lives. Yeah, yeah. What? What are you on? Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's they're holding this, as Orwell spoke of, doublethink. Yeah. They have these two fucking concepts that they just can't con- uh, reconcile in themselves. Because as we said before, the stimuli never stops. Yeah. So they just accept the narrative. And because we're being programmed into this kind of monoism, mm-hmm. 
that's the narrative. You just accept yeah. the, the narrative. You just go, what is it today? Oh, the Queen died, so we're sad for that. All right, cool. Mm. COVID's over, apparently. Oh, shit, I said the C word. Mm. Um, it's over, apparently. Oh, we'll celebrate that. Oh, so Ukraine is over, Russia. That's cool. What this? Mm. You just accept You just accept it. And you just mm. you try and go on with the little minutiae of your life, forever being boxed in until you're like the cow when, when yeah. they go to slaughter, man. I think a fucking cowspiracy. If you haven't watched it and you, you, you want to become a vegetarian, go watch <laughs> cowspiracy. I watched it on acid once. Ooh, me and my mate were crying our fucking eyes out the first scene where the cow because basically what they do is they corral them you start a big space and then you go one day, and then by the time you're in the space you can't turn around and then the other cows come in behind you and you go forward and you get a little stun and boom and through and just dead mm. and by yeah. the time you're aware you're in the fucking corral it's over and that's what mm. i feel is this monoism is even binary debates are an aspect a key component of this monoistic society in the so look at politics, left and right, is all neoliberalistic politics. Mm-hmm. It's the minutiae of politics. It doesn't include socialism or communism or any of those concepts. It doesn't include any of the other potential uh, ideas like localism, collectivism, fucking different tri- tribalistic ways of op- operating. They're just discounted. Every, if you're t- being political, it has to only be in this. Interestingly, you say about politics, was, when I was at college, I was speaking to the, the lecturer and he's got this fucking crazy thick book about uh, politics. His, his degrees were in politics, and, but he was talking about sociology at the time and he, he put out this thing and he was like, right, to, obviously if you could do one thing in politics, what should it be? And in my mind, this was it. And I was like, the thing, I, it was cool because he looked at me and we had a really good conversation after it. I was like, if I could do one thing in politics, it'd be to remove all colour. Every, every politic, uh, political party is grey. Because what that then causes is a reduction and a tribal connection towards... Because I've always wondered to myself, I wonder how many people vote for Labour that also support Liverpool or Man United. I wonder how many people that go towards Conservative are also Chelsea fans. You know what I mean? And it's just because there's a tendency, a primal tendency. Chelsea, there's a lot of blue in the colours of the football teams around the South. If you then look at already just North-South divide, which is a strong indicator of your kind of left-right bias in this country, you might be onto something there because obviously we know that blue causes calm. Blue, mm. blue is you know it's reductive and chill and red yeah. is passion and we've obviously been fed this passion from the media machine. So then the people go to their 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 political savior, the the parental figure, because that's what we we all are. I said when the queen died, it's like the last adult died. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's that we actually realize the way shit. Now none of us know fuck all. We're all just kids. We're, but I've always felt that. The older I get, I'm like, at some point, I will become an adult. Mm-hmm. And it's just not happening. And no, I'm don't like, do it, man, because like, Walt, Disney, Walt Disney's got a saying where he says, um, you know, if you remain childlike, you never lose life. Or there's a, there's a, there's a quote that he says that as long as you maintain child uh, like a childlike perspective, you hold on to wonder or something like that. But mm. interestingly about the Queen, that's what makes me believe that all the main global events that happened, and that's why we're dealing with like, it's regardless if people think I'm a conspiratorial individual, I'm not really that bothered this. The, the, the Queen dying was was noted in The Simpsons in like 2014. Like that's like 2014. In fact, shout out to uh, Rhea Green because it was hard fucking post that made me see that. Um, but it was like that 2014, and then it's like the, six, seven years that, later. I want to put, yeah, point out though that the date on the fake picture that went around was, was a Photoshop job. There was, oh, was uh, it? there was an image that put the date as 2022 but the well, fact that the queen was no 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 but you're, but you're right but you're right though even though that and, and obviously part of that is it was rather than realistic be here be realistic here she was i think she was 96 actually it'd be in episode 96 yeah. um 
So I'm sorry, you get a 90, you've had good fucking innings and you should be preparing for a good death if you're lucky. Yeah. You know I mean? I want to go out like Huxley. I'm scared of needles, but fuck me, jab me up with that LSD when I go. That's crazy. Well, that, even that, I mean, Aldous Huxley, that's what's, he's, a, he's a great example of that because even in his book, you know, Brave New World is probably one of my most favourite books. Is because I of ju the fact just, just finished it yesterday and then I've cracked open uh, Fahrenheit 451. I'm going through all the dystopias again. I'm right, really nice. rattling my brain again. Nice. Well, I've got, uh, that's, I mean, frustratingly, because I bought the island recently and I've just not really got around right. to it. Dude, brilliant, brilliant. This is his last book, and he puts his life into it, man. Do, do you know what's interesting? This is what I've noticed about this, like, uh, like things like um, fiction. It's so weird, man. It's like it feels like I'm, it feels like I'm like having a, a pudding or something, or it feels like I'm having a sweetie. It's like it's no, it's no. Even though there's a philosophical yeah. sincerity and authenticity, but when you're reading like nonfiction, it feels like there's more of a seriousness behind that. Whereas if there's this fictitious thing, it kind of feels like I'm. Like just putting my feet up and just like I'm just taking some time off with this. I work, think it's you know? that it's that like academic kind of uh, programming in school. Um, yeah. One of the things yeah. I, I always noted of like I'm still fucking pretty adamant that the reason we get forgetful when we get older when we walk through doorways is because when we're in secondary schools we're compartmentalizing education. You do geography in this room, a bell rings, mm -hmm. you walk through a doorway into yeah. a corridor of neutrality that mm -hmm. isn't any of the subjects. You then forget or lock that away. You then go and you again, you're not taught to connect the things. You don't go, well, how does geography pertain to history? Mm. You know, how does fucking philosophy pertain to music? You don't ever really combine, you're taught that these things are separate and should remain yeah. separate. And yeah, sorry, yeah. I just wanted to get that, that tidbit out because it is some of the, the I, I do think of quite a lot of, it is this this conditioning and that we have to break free of it, whatever that, however you get away from that. You know what I mean? No, hundred percent. And interestingly, actually, just reminding me of the point you're talking about about uh, the the language between medical cannabis and how they managed to separate it. And again, it goes to that compartmentalization of the of the psyche almost because they're away this kind of thing. That if you look, that's very, very, very similar to the hemp cannabis thing. That's what they did oh, then. Yeah. That was the, was the yeah. beginning. And then you fast forward now down to medical. I mean, fucking, what's going to be next? Are they going to compartmentalize what is regarded as recreational consumption? Or and then again, it's all kind of probably sporadic, but. There's a great book that I think anybody should that, that's really interested in the the level of marketing influence through every spectrum of society that we've, we've um, we experience is called The Hidden Persuaders, and it was written in like the fifties or sixties. Vance Packard's the guy's name. One of my most favourite books, The Hidden Persuaders, because what he describes in it is the 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 level of insight that they apply to the human psyche in order to achieve what their goal is. And then he puts the hidden persuaders through the dynamic of, um, of, of employment. So if there's a corporation that's trying to employ a CEO, they'll ask them about their private life. And then, and, and like they'll ask them about their, their, their wife and this, this and the next thing. Not only that, they'll, they'll ask them about, um, they'll essentially study these individuals in order to figure out what kind of personality they have to see if they'll be subservient. And and if you take that, and this is in the fifties and sixties, and then they started putting ads um, obviously, because it's the ad men, fifties and sixties, that kind of thing, and uh, and they, so they start to really delve into the psychology of the human of how can we sell the best products or how can we sell products to anybody? How can we do this? And that's when they started to figure out about that whole thing of humans have a tendency to to favour products that they are previously shown not in the context of buying it. So if you were to see an advert with a car that kind of shit and they, they, to be shown it prior and then you fast forward and then they give, get given the option of these things they then select the one that they've subconsciously seen fucking three four weeks ago or whatever and this is these are techniques that were aware in the 50s and but 60s that's why coca-cola's advertising strategy is, is it's kill, frightening kids killed it because they they never sold the product they sold the experience yeah that's they, exactly they right. reinvented that style of, of marketing that it was never about the price of the coke or its availability 
it yeah. was yeah you you saw that red you saw that that flush of the font and perfect you, you would, just said yeah. you saw that red there right that's what the next point i was going to say simple brilliant man was like so the red every time we look at our phone and it flashes that we not the thing we think that's a new thing just to oh it's our phone just so we can fucking check we've got a message you rewind back to the to the 90s even before that and you've got a, an answering machine and your your phone for the house phone and it's just flashing red and now that red's a primal thing because our our eyes are, have a tendency to look towards something that's red that's just a, a primal thing i think it's to do with um like fucking food and biology and these kind of things like evolutionary blood mechanisms blood and berries and exactly yeah, that yeah. exactly and then so that's so that's in the 80s and the 90s and then you fast forward all the way through they're aware of our neurological circuitry and and and, and the people that and this was so frustrating because again it sounds all conspiratorial no 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 you're you're like when they talk about like politicians and you, you, these these are like not even bolts in the machine. These are individuals showing up to the work and going home again, essentially. They'll know certain things, they might not, whatever and that kind of thing. But the, the reality is there's an umbrella, there's a, there's a societal structure which is in place too, which is obviously could most likely potentially be as a consequence of the capitalist dynamic to sell and the nature of competition. And that's what the underpinning of the, the learning psychologists because then we can be the best competition in the fucking realm, essentially. Um, but even that thing, you fast forward, why do you have the button on the side of your phone to click it? Because every time you click your phone, even if there's not a message, every time you press the button on your phone, you're getting a release of dopamine in your epinephrine, in your, in your thing, and every single time. So you become addicted to these things. And it's the it's same thing when you're strengthening scrolling. Strengthening the muscle memory as well. Strengthening the muscle memory. Every time you're scrolling down your phone, you're not looking at the picture. You're, you're scrolling because the dopamine gets released at the next picture. Now, to understand yeah. it, like the picture you're looking at doesn't give you the pleasure. It's the next one. It's, sure not, it's, it's not even actually the, the, the picture necessarily. There's a, a study that they figured out anthropologically. They looked at metadata. God, this was a long time ago that I read this, many, many years ago. Um, but basically, they found that it's the expectation or the anticipation. That's the fucking thing. That's the mm-hmm. holy grail. Yeah. Of, it's the moment just before the thing, having yeah. had the opportunity to want the thing, mm-hmm. knowing you're going to get the thing. <laughs> that's what we that's the mechanism so that's what yeah. we with sex addiction yeah. the, then the people are not ever even asked about the person that they're currently engaged with mm. they're thinking of the chase of the next thing yeah. and even then as soon as they get it they almost don't want it and it's, like, it's yeah. the same with most other things is it's that this is how you can have like healthy relationships with things is you then understand that mechanism and you make it work to your advantage but if you don't understand it or any of these sort of things or even it was a bernard hit Bernard Hayes or whatever the fuck his name was. Edward Bernays. Yeah, yeah. Freud's second cousin. And he, he right. basically took all of psychoanalytics and dumped that into the ad guys and went, have you oh, considered? Man. And mm. fuck me, look at the state of what we're in now. Yeah, and, and, that's right. But it's weird that there's a whole subsect of society and I'm one of these people. If I see an advert, something in me immediately goes, never mind that. Mm. Like, even though 99% of the things that are on adverts are not things I want in my life anyway. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. One of the things that my joys in life actually is listening to say like classic FM, like like classic FM in the car. Every now and then I'll have a like gangster rap, or I'll have some fucking hardcore DMB, or Gabba. I'll have a very v- variety of playlists. But yeah. I'll put on fucking classic FM and just to have the adverts be like for over fifty rich white people, Sage fucking insurance, you know, fucking FNO cruises, and it's like yeah, it's not targeted to me, and it doesn't hurt me. I can mm. listen to it, and it's not like I can feel it trying to tap into me. Mm. Whereas then if I watch a YouTube video specifically, the two fucking adverts that lead to it that you can't fucking get around on your phone, um, unless you buy the new premium, twats. Mm. 
Um, they are so fucking targeted. That is like, yeah. you are clearly, and sometimes it's a guy going, are oh, you between the age of 32 and 35? And I'm like, you fucking know I am. Yeah, I know. So, so literally <laughs> you click on immediately like, no, just fuck you. Yeah, that's what makes it so frightening though as well, because the more and more that the, the algorithms are tailored towards um, what we are watching and, 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 and ingestion through content, the more it becomes so specific and blinded to anything that could potentially be, oh, I've never tried that. I'll maybe see what that is. And, you know, we it's weird. The, we like... need the novel. We need the unique, the yeah. different. You need to suddenly go, I'm going to try something new on the menu. Yeah, so it's, it's important. Fucking open your mind, man. Do you, know what's, do you know what's impressive though? Like when you mentioned that there, you're like um, to, to understand just a minute ago about the, the dopamine circuitry and how you could become addicted to sex and other substances and stuff like that. And it's about how learning how to use it. That's actually one of the best ex descriptions of what how I am with cannabis. So cannabis can like 100% make it that you do fuck all. You're drowned in the sensation and you do nothing. But at the same time, because I was thinking about that, about how it is, and it's like the reality is every single piece of work I've done has been under the influence of cannabis, whether in the varying rates, the varying ingestion levels obviously differ, but what I've noticed the best about it is that when you're sitting and you're like, fuck, every time you, like, if I was to take like, a drop of pipe or a drop of joint, the dopamine kicks in, goes back to fucking baseline, and that's zero, and I'm at a position where I'm like, quality, I can do another three pages. And then you get to three pages, you feel relatively exhausted. It's essentially a stimulant and that and used in that manner. And it's because I'm aware of the dopamine process. Don't get me wrong, the amount of times I'll be like, right, here, we're going to get some busy work, two joints, and I'm like, nothing go down, fuck. That does happen, inevitably. But the truth is, the, the the vast majority of the work that I'm producing is done with the, the with with cannabis right next to it, but on such a minimal scale that I'm allowing the receptors to be activated. I'm allowing the neurochemicals which are relevant to be productive to arrive, but I'm not overwhelming myself by the sensation. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what's so crucial because I'll be honest, it took me a long time. One of the things I had to stop doing was taking buckets and plungers. I don't know what you maybe waterfalls, but uh, I had buckets, to stop them. Gravity bongs. To gravity our, bongs. To our American <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, I had to stop all that shit, man, because I would take like one or two man and your day is over and it's just done yeah, and that's like, like, Fuck. yeah a bucket is just that's you're done <laughs> that, that's like you walk in and you've got this spectrum of alcohol and you're like, i can have a nice little shandy like, no, i'm yeah. gonna have a half a pint of absinthe <laughs> that's no like, matter what even the bud is it's the, it's the delivery mechanism. you just literally go i'm gonna empty all of my lungs i'm gonna absorb all of the weed all at once get it yeah. in every part of me and then get a cough to make myself lighter headed to fucking get the blood flow moving even fucking further and yeah you're gonna be instantly just yeah, as fuck because we used to like that was our uh, that was our method uh, the entire fucking teenage years man right yeah, it's so that's funny my you, there'd, there'd be some folks house like I remember I remember like it doesn't matter his name but it's like in case he's watching but I remember I go to his house man this guy's house and some of us like I'd be with my mates and I'd be like right we're going to so and so's house he'll have a small laugh nah. and the reason why even though I go to his house is because his bucket would be disgusting you'd be like mate Fucking change that. Yeah. But it would become like enjoying how disgusting so the cigarette butts in it, and it'd be like it'd be fucking brown. There'd be you, fucking you get so like thick. an odd like affinity and attachment to it. It's it's <laughs> it's so weird the inanimate objects that we we grow with these things for. I've now got three sticks that I call sticky from three different Changa experiences, where basically with my special stone pipe. And mix mix up my fucking to mix up the bowl. So I find a stick where when I'm camping in the woods or whatever and like carve it up a little bit. And then obviously go on a wild fucking experience of all kinds of different fucking highs, especially shout out to fucking my shaman man, uh delivering with the MEOs recently, some little capsules that you mix that with some changa. That is a that's an interesting, it's like a, a shortcut to kind of a, a smokable ayahuasca almost in a way. So it's a weird right. kind of like whoa. Um but yeah, then coming back from the experience, then this stick is like uh, an augmented reality in the experience that I can't remember of the high, the the, the peaks of it, you know, that they're immediately lost to you in sobriety. 
are almost distilled within this object. So then I can look at the stick and be like, that was that in the, in the woods. And and you kind of, in the same way you have like photos around the house or you pick up stones from beaches or whatever and you remember it and you look at the object and it, it's almost like it's, it triggers you, but it's like it is, it's augmented. It's external from you. You see the object. Yes, it triggers in you, but it's like, I think the more of those things that you can kind of have in your life, I think it's it's a sign that you kind of, you're trying to clear your mind. You're almost like something. you're putting things out so you can use more of it. Either you're trying to use more of it or you're trying to shut the fuck it, shut it out. Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Even that thing, that's, I totally agree Simple, and it's like that whole, there's an innate desire inside humans for that kind of thing. And I was actually describing it to my son the other day because I want to get a dog. And uh, I kept saying that to him, and I was thinking about what that is. So why do humans do that? I mean, obviously, these are variable reasons, like, oh, company, companionship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is, humans require a direction, an outlet for love and empathy and compassion. It's emotion. And that's what an, that's what your pet is. It's nothing but a tool that you use to express love and compassion in a utilitarian manner. That's what that's going on there. And unless you're a fucking lunatic that beats your animals and shit, you shouldn't even have them. But like the the, the basis, the, the fundamental reason for having that kind of, that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, why is it you're doing it? You're doing it so you could just express that thing. So there's something innate in humans to do that thing. Well, we have our social animals and obviously that's it's, inevitably it's, going to be the case. Seek, seeking connection as well. And I think what humans find in predominantly, especially cats and dogs, is a sincerity, a genuine purity and innocence mm. in that you you earn that affection and that love and they don't begrudge you being lit they don't begrudge you having a bad day they don't begrudge you know what i mean they are a, a cornerstone something foundational that you can build your life around obviously unfortunately only for 10 15 20 years if you're lucky sort of thing you know um mm. but again i think that that in a certain way is this augmentation you're putting that emotion into it mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and then so you yeah. can and I think we have these drives, and I think it's some of the um, Falmuk or whatever that company ever pronounced his name, the Brighter Fight Club sort of tapped into. We were saying this, we have a violent instinct and a love instinct. We have all of these primal things within us that mm. it's it's energy. And so I've looked at, if you look at uh, Tai Chi, all of the moves from Tai Chi come from movements within the animal kingdom. And so great sort of masters of, of various skill sets over the years basically looked and observed sort of how a crane would land and what it would do with its wings and how it would dispel the energy. So in the air, you look at a bird and you think, fuck me, that's got to be using a lot of it, like a constant, and it's not, it's in flow and its muscles are engaged into that kind of flow. And then when it lands, it's it's dispelling the energy. When like a dog gets nervous and it wags in a certain way, you know, when cats stretch and do different moves, it's mm-hmm. they're dispelling energy from them. They've instinctively got a way to remove that energy and because we're not like foraging and, and walking for miles or whatever, we're not climbing, we're not using muscle sets and groups and we're not, you know, for all the term, rough housing, you know, mm. I mean, we're not for physical beings as much as we've been through our history, you know, people barely hug and, and have, especially post fucking yeah. pandemic, mm. you know, we were actually starting to get somewhere I felt in society, men would fucking bear cuddle and that there'd be yeah. an exchange of of, of of energy, of hormones, of pheromones, of all the fucking other biological wonders that, that signal to each other um in that intimate setting you know what i mean mm. and i think an absence of that has been incredibly detrimental and again this will bring it back into cannabis and other drugs i think that i'm not just even that even things like yoga and one of the things i made a point of earlier literally just says being alone and you <laughs> said about people saying um it being sort of a bad thing and i i understand why society can think that but i am of, of the same mindset that i retreat 
into myself and into the world, the space that I'm lucky enough to to inhabit that is my own, that is my safety and my protection. And within it, I seek to learn and to better myself. So any of the kind of prejudices that I hold, any of the kind of uh, negative feeling and kind of uh, regret of the previous day or whatever, I go, all right, well, next time I leave the house, I'm this, I'm that. I'm... And you're making that commitment to yourself. You're making that promise and you're trying to then continually better yourself. And if you don't have that solitude, that reflective period, and it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, fucking um, incense sticks and candles and om and all the rest of it at all. Obviously, yeah. that is a, is a wonderful utility. And if you can get to a space like that, it is wondrous to actually mm. create an intentional space that the only time you occupy it is to be in that space. You then strengthen that space within your brain to be able to take it out into the wider world. But you can find that in sort of the Zen, the, the Zen Buddhist describe mm. place. Zen is in everything. Doing the washing up, you mm. move into a state of flow. Yeah, you know your hands. You're not doing anything. You're dedicating time. You're just standing there doing the things your hands know how to do. And then mm. in that time, you can go away with your brain. You know, Einstein yeah. said fucking getting a job at the patent office was one of the best things uh, for him. Obviously, the family guy joked that he uh, he stole all the patents from the post office that he saw coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he said that the best time. Uh, he found it to be the best time because it allowed him to have boredom, to have long periods of time where his brain could actually just daydream. He could mm. function and just do the job mechanically. But because he chose to engage that part of his brain, it could go off and come up with all of this uh, sort of wondrous ideas and uh, what do you call them, like thought uh, experiments. Yeah, I fully agree. And it's interesting because I quote popped to mind that it's uh, when you're talking about how it's perceived as, you know, being alone is perceived as a, as a negative for your mental health and, or, or, you know, socialization is obviously necessary, but being alone is so crucial. And Charles Bukowski, um, he's got a quote where he says, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, he's fucking brilliant. Yeah, he's, brilliant. He says, uh, like, uh, people empty me, I have to go away to refill. And that's how it feels, you know, it's like you, you feel we are energy creatures, we're frequency-oriented creatures, so um, you do. And I think that's what's so important about being in the company of other individuals who represent the same frequency in which you emit, um, because... I mean, the amount of times that, and I think that's what you feel at work, like when you go to a job that you fucking hate, you know, yeah. it's destroying you, it's emptying you every day. And if you really don't go home and put yourself in a mentality or, or even when you're at your work, spend the entire time when you're present, as you're mentioning, going into this other place, like you're mechanically there, you're, you're mechanically doing the actions, but your psychology is back to your dream, it's back at your home, it's back at your baseline of what you want to achieve. And I think that's what helped me so much when, I mean, literally, man, it'd be nine and a half hours of me washing dishes in the same spot. And and that, it was brutal. And at the same time, though, the amount of times that I, that I got my best ideas there and I felt like, bizarre. I mean, I'd be, obviously, let's say I'd be, I'd be doing the dishes for two and a half hours, man, and only th and thinking about what I was going to be drawing at my break. And then I'd be like, when I'd be drawing at my break, I'd be thinking about, right, I need to get this done, so I'm doing this tonight. And so I was never there psychologically. I was always in a position where I was there mechanically, but I was never in that position um, where, I, where, where I allowed myself to be fully empty because the whole thing to, to be fully empty, you really have to give all yourself to the people. I was never there all the time. I was fucking miles away. And, you know, and I think that's it's just it's so crucial for, for anybody listening that if you're in a position where you're like, oh, I fucking hate this job, blah, blah, blah. It's like, use it to your advantage. Like if it's, and I actually wrote this in the book, that the Productive Path book, um, that if you're in a job and, and people that have been in a job 15 years or, or longer or less time, a few years, whatever, even fucking a few months makes no difference. But people, I think it's more applicable to people that have been in a job for a long period of time because they go, I can't do my dream. I've been doing this job so long, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're in an even more prime position to pursue mm -hmm. your dream because you've been in your job so long, you know it fucking inside out. So you can switch off and you could focus all of your psychological energy towards what it is you want to to relieve you from that 
difficulty. And I think that's what's yeah. so important is that it really makes no difference to what it is you're doing, the position you're in, what you've been experiencing. Every single thing um, is is not every every action of life as a ladder is a step on the ladder towards a better person. You know, and that's just that's. that's one hundred percent. Yeah, know, I would agree with that. It's one of those optic illusions. You get the top of the ladder and you realise you're at the bottom again. Yeah, it's a never-ending <laughs> process. It is. It's not a destination. Life is is the journey, and I think yeah. Yeah, too many people get kind of lost in that. Um, I'm aware of the time, but I'd like to cover a few news topics uh, if yeah, that's all right, because a few things have happened. Um, obviously, circle back to uh, Biden. Obviously, announced uh, yesterday. The simple possession for of the is they have termed it marijuana. Obviously, I think my listeners are quite aware of my stance on um the propaganda term marijuana. <laughs> very much so. He did not use the word cannabis once whatsoever. And he was literally talking about racial disparities when we know that marijuana with a J um yeah. was actually propagated and uh promulgated by uh Harry J. Anslinger because originally, if you look at the Marijuana Tax Act, that is a H, not a J. They added the J because they wanted it to sound more like Tijuana and to be more uh, referenceable exactly. to a foreign entity as if it was something that hadn't been on the uh, American peninsula for a hell of an amount of time. If we then go back to sort of the Vikings um, and their uh, arrival onto the, the northeast corner, uh, I can't get my global geography, North, yeah, northeast corner of America, mm-hmm. um, centuries before we, the British, took uh, cannabis in the 1600s. So, yeah, it's, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, basically he announced the yeah, they're going to pardon all federal cannabis convictions, several publications stated that there was basically no one was going to be affected by this. This isn't true. There's about 6,500 people. Unfortunately, what it means is that it's simple cannabis possession alone. So if you've got cultivation, trafficking, sales, da 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 if you were carrying a weapon, if any extenuating circumstance, and obviously the American judiciary system um, has one hell of a book to be able to put... Um, sort of poly crimes on, onto the record. So there's very few people actually, uh, sorry, there should be a hell of a lot more people than just those few that should yeah. receive this, but they will be caught up with like literally jaywalking plus possession. You ain't fucking getting your, your, mm. your record expunged sort of thing. There is no real framework for what this means about then decriminalizing possession at the federal level or how this can then be enforced. Uh, obviously state's law, um, there is a, a legal precedent for what it's called, and I can't remember what the hell it is. It's a something act that basically means that the states were given uh, a decision on cannabis, which meant even if they legalize within the regions, um, they can still have principal, not principalities, what do they call them in America? Like townships, counties, areas, regions yeah. where they could still have cannabis prohibited. But then if under the federal level, does that affect this? It's There's going to be a lot of nuance here. And I think mm-hmm. you can have some kickback from some of the, the holdouts in America for all there's only a handful of states at this point. Um, but I just wanted to kind of get on record my thoughts on this. I did post for the first time in quite a while on Instagram this morning, um, stating that I believe the fact that the American um, U.S. midterm, the U.S. midterm elections rather, um, are about five, six weeks away. So I think this is just Biden reassuring, you know, he's had basically two years that could have fucking done this. Mm-hmm. Arguably, yeah, there's been COVID, et cetera, but they could have fucking done I said it again, God damn it. Like, this is going to harm us in, on YouTube right here, but yeah. I don't care, whatever. Share this. That's all it means, folks. Share this video, please. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, yeah, I think they're going to get through the midterms and then be like, oh, there's this issue with states' rights. Oh, there's the issue with uh, fucking like tax avoidance. There's, there's an issue with proceeds of crime. There's an issue with... And they're going to drag heels further on it. Um, and that, that 
that's what I effectively think. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people in in our community in the UK and Europe that are celebrating this, and I just think it's a bit a little bit premature. And I just mm-hmm. uh, yeah, wanted to get it kind of on record and obviously get uh, your opinion on, on what you think it is, what it means, and what it could be. To be honest, it's kind of similar to yourself. Some parts like there's a inevitable win because it's a small amount of progress. So inevitably, it's like, oh, it's good that happened. So that's the theme. It's good. But if you look at the wider perspective of what's going on, it's a delay tactic and nothing more. That's like, um, it's, it's the reality is... Sorry? It's placation. Exactly. It's exactly that. And that's what that's what that's that's now what we're dealing with now. So because of the science, the science has been extremely helpful for everybody relating to cannabis. Um, they, they, there is no longer... So before, before 2000s, really, before, you know, Russo's fucking work and all these different things that you know Michelin was working in the 90s all that kind of stuff before then it was very easy to get bogged down in the dialogue of um, the propaganda schizophrenia blah, blah, and, and all the buzzwords that are now a lot of them are disregarded as if anybody just threw them out you'd be like fuck man how old are you man you still yeah. saying this shit but you know so science helped a lot to neutralize a lot of stuff so it kind of took the starting point of where cannabis should be discussed and brought it right to the forefront of like okay there is a general acceptance of medical um uh efficacy and uh, obviously it's harm in, in context of recreational use compared to alcohol is obviously non-existent alcohol is obviously much more harmful so with that starting point and we're all on that starting point globally essentially taking away countries which are fucking archaic um uk being one of them <laughs> but nevertheless um but it's like essentially that's what we're at the starting point now where it's always medically it's fine blah 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 so now what, what's the now the next technique what are they going to do they're now going to as we mentioned before compartmentalize and apply baby steps of progress quote-unquote progress which will appease a small number of people who are in favor of cannabis um and it'll but it'll also give the impression to the people that are not really familiar with the the the, the true battle of fucking for cannabis they'll think that oh yeah everything's really good now this is great this is cannabis is becoming so when everybody that this is the thing man i mean you're the same as me i have no doubt that you probably started consuming cannabis early teens i mean i was like 13 14 so i was like 2004 and one of the things that fucking bugs me so much is the individuals who have arrived on the scene in the past few years who are now essentially regarded as mainstream and and informant people about cannabis they have no fucking idea how long this has been this is not acceptable in this situation now it's like 2004 the amount of times that i would be fucking it was a nightmare is most of the viewers will be familiar it was a fucking nightmare and now so now we're in a position where individuals that back into them in 2005 would have been like oh cannabis is bad blah 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 and now they're oh yeah well it's fine it's cool we'll talk about this and i think that's the thing that bugs me so much is that what's perceived as progress is only perceived by progress if people have just arrived people that are actually familiar with cannabis for the past 20 years are like this is unacceptable movements mm-hmm. because of the fact it's yeah. been so fucking long so that's a, like inevitably it is a fraction of progress because some people won't be put inside some people will be really re- released and all that kind of stuff but for people that have been in it for a while, man, this is it's just more of the same. All they're doing now is they've flipped a tactic. The language has now been um, been more focused because of science, but now the tactic is baby steps. That's all that's going on here. And they're going to just, mm-hmm. it'll be a regional element. It'll be a fucking, like a, a small geographical element. It'll be this, this, at least small baby steps, wherever they can find their baby steps to, 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 to prevent access. That's all that's going on here and to yeah. maximize profiteering. That's all that's going on. Yeah, the image in my head is uh, <laughs> it's actually Takeshi's castle. Uh, do you know the stepping <laughs> stones you step on in the fall? But that it was that image, but it's big stones, little stones. Yeah, so there's like a hundred little stones, and they oh, I've got another step, another step, step. You could take three strides and cross this fucker, but you yeah. are literally tiptoeing yeah, man. across. And the other thing is that on average, of the American and actually some Canadian uh, cannabis stocks jumped as much as twenty percent. 
So obviously, um, I'm not necessarily suggesting that Biden uh, has shares in cannabis companies, but obviously, if you look at somebody like well, Russell Brand's work around, you know, like Nancy Pelosi and her and alleged huge letters, YouTube alleged insider trading. Mm-hmm. Please get the alleged there, YouTube. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So again, yeah, I think it's, but it's it's an interesting contrast because in the other bit of news I wanted to talk to you about was calls for cannabis to make a class A drug at Tory conference. Oh, yeah, this week. I've seen that. That was a fucking belter. This is scary though because we're, we're laughing. Yet one of the I'm trying to find his goddamn name. Um, one of the individuals involved in this is a PCC from up my way. Uh, down from down my way from your perspective, I guess, or whatever direction <laughs> you are from the world, somewhere yeah. in the northeast of England. Um, yeah, this PCC basically pulled the funding uh, for former guest Danny Ahmed, um, who did the supervised heroin injection here in the UK, and they had some amazing successes stabilizing people's lives, you know, getting people uh, clean, diverting people mm-hmm. from uh, intravenous disease uh, and overdose, and were brilliant, and they basically just had all their funding yanked. But he yeah, is one of the individuals. It's an interesting point that the British uh, tabloid presses, they basically went and presented this as if it's Tory policy, mm. when actually what's effectively happened is they were laughed off the stage at the conference. Mm. Um, they presented this idea and their own peers, their own contemporaries were like, what the fuck? Yeah. And the only thing that I can think in this is on my fear to that I was going to try and unretire my tinfoil hat from somewhere, but it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Um, but my worry here is they're going to continue to push this big M, big C medical air quotes, medical cannabis paradigm. I'm medicinal cannabis. I'm obviously doing a series, which actually folks update part three will be out next week or yeah, this week when this is released, I think, I don't know how time works. Yeah. It moves forward endlessly. <laughs> um, we're having like a fucking queen there. Jesus <laughs> um, but yeah, my, my point being, um, my point being that they're going to get weaponized that further and further. So then going, all right, we can prescribe this. We can give you it, but you can only ever vaporize it. You can only ever use it in these spaces at these times in these amounts. Mm-hmm. Whereas then if you grow it at home or you buy it on the street, it'd be a class A. Mm-hmm. So then they'll, they want to try and separate it. They're going, I believe that actually that when they're saying that cannabis is like heroin, they're kind of right in a weird way because they've now made it a medicinal product. Mm-hmm. So whereas before it was just a drug that didn't have therapeutic value and had some propensity towards abuse. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now yeah. they've given it therapeutic value and it still has a propensity towards abuse. That's the same language as heroin. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. we, we've we've, we've goose-stepped ourselves into this. They've walked us into this. The harder we've gone, medical this, medicine this. Mm-hmm. And for, yeah, for a small section of society, those newcomers that are just people that, yes, righteously, correctly need it for their condition, for their children, for their small sect, their tribe, all well and good for them. Mm-hmm. But it betrays the legacy century of activists of individuals that have tried to fight this that have protected this plant you know the the shoulders that you and i stand upon today mm-hmm. you, you know what i mean it's in the, hopefully someday others will stand upon ours and keep going until eventually we can lift us all out of this hole mm-hmm. retrospectively historically you know so we can all have that vindication for all being um posthumously it's still that's what i'm fighting for i know that the things i know i'm right about i'm never going to get known to be right about in my lifetime yeah. but it's still worth fucking as, as the Israeli proverb says you know plant the date plant those date trees yeah yeah no I fully agree and the thing is as well like when it comes to the, the discussion that you're referring to I didn't see the article but I've seen enough of it for it to just make me fucking laugh that they got laughed off the thing but um, 
what it seems to be honest in my mind when I first seen over it was first off there are still individuals in certain spectrums of society that do believe those things that, that are so regimented and you do find them in hierarchical um, you know, police in particular um, politics where individuals haven't allowed themselves into circles where they can fully educate themselves on cannabis so they believe that cannabis is this extremely dangerous substance there's that part where there are subjective individuals who are ignorant towards the fact. Then there's the other part where there is a conscious attempt at um, diluting the dialogue around cannabis in order to allow profit to maintain, as you're mentioning, towards the medical side. Um, and and sometimes I just think to myself that there are, there are, this is just this, just more of the same game. You know, it's that they just throw out the same bullshit, the same stuff, the same cycles in order to delay, delay, delay. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's exhausting. And sometimes, I mean, the fact that when it said that they got laughed off, I mean, that... That's brilliant. I love that. I love that so much. Like the people are like cannabis and heroin are the same, and then the crowd erupts with laughter. Man, that's fucking. If it was like that, that's brilliant. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's bizarre. It's funny that actually you're saying that. Like obviously, hopefully you see it in our time or whatever, um, or like probably when we're not around. But personally, because I'm going to do a, I'm I'm doing a um a single Skinner for a, a Fat Nogs magazine. And it'll be the third one I've done. And it's uh, what I'm going to do, it's just a, a one page thing. And I'm going to do the intention. It's going to be called Time. And essentially, it's going to start off with, uh, and it's just relevant, that's why I'm saying this, is it's going to start off with um, Kahneman and Donnie sitting on the couch discussing how cannabis is so, it's, oh, it's so powerful and it's, it impacts our lives personally and it's good and it helps everybody. And, uh, and it's going to be crazy. And the whole, the whole theme, that's why it's called Time, is that, that it's going to end with Kahneman and Donnie saying to some younger generations as old men are going to have grey beards and they're going to be saying to these younger generations when we were younger it was like this and they're going to describe the the, the, the propaganda and the stigmatisation and all these other unfortunate detrimental and, and, and tragic connections towards cannabis being prohibited and the response in this comic that I'm going to do is going to be the young guys being like shut the fuck up you old cunt that never happened and that's what I think it's going to be like because at the moment the people that are arriving in the cannabis and it's great to have as many people on as we can but the truth is the individuals that are new to cannabis they don't think it was as bad as it has been in the past and this that will continue and I think personally that in 20 or 30 years without there being a complete censorship of, of media through obviously taking away all the crazy shit and all that kind of stuff some people won't believe this yeah. they, they will think that it wasn't they'll they think that nah man you're over exaggerating this is just bullshit it's just prohibitionist deniers yeah exactly that's what essentially and this is that's my fear is that in my lifetime I'm going to be that old dude who's like you wee bastard with your starbucks coffee you know that kind of shit and it's because mm-hmm. of the fact that it's like they're just like no nah, no nah, man we got a new i'm all for ready access and that kind of thing but i'm not for the dilution of the reality and i think that's what we're walking towards and i think things you know that's just a delayed tactic i think cannabis and heroin potentially mixed in with some subjective ignorance um but i do think that that's maybe what we're walking to is we're going to walk to a point where people are going to think this was never like this they're going to mm-hmm. think that it's like nah man it was never as bad as that you weren't a you know, and that's that's what I think. That's what this feels like. It just feels, and it does. The, the way it feels more like that is because you know, new arrivals kind of dilute the the reality because it's like you know, when I hear people saying that, it's like it's good now. It's becoming so promoted. No, it's good now. And in my mind, I'm like, where? Like, yeah, it's, we're having conversations about this. That you can get access, but this is a very small fraction compared to what 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 was like, man. It's like this, this not yeah, as it, open it, as everybody pretends, man. This is still fucking present, you know. Yeah, man, it, the image in my head was a lava lamp and was if the if the globs form and mass and break away and then small fragments move into the big and the big... Be- and 
conceptually you can't quite tell what is what especially in the multicolored ones and then when they change and it's the same with like these conceptual ideas that a mass mm. of society want this thing all of a sudden others like we saw with the the campaign with the i would say weaponization and frankly abuse of uh, a multitude of parents of children uh of parents of sick children in the mm. uk by the press and by various campaigns um they then brought a new awareness to it and it's kind of like they globbed and have taken a large section out yeah. And then in it, they're trying to form and we're like, so they've taken power and then eventually it'll glob back again and then more and it just, yeah. and it's in this free flow and it's just going to yeah. keep forming and breaking apart and forming a break. But there will always be that continual evolution where then the idea of someone going to prison for first offense cultivation for plants anywhere in the country being absurd, for example, you know, or yeah. we get these little gradual, almost accidental milestones through precedence in courts through, yeah, it turning up in Coronation Street or whatever. But as yeah. we're seeing now is I believe that uh, the medicinal cannabis industrial complex, as I call it, it's using the same marketing and advertising gimmicks that we were speaking of before to, get ahead of the curve cannabis is already out there more than it's ever been and they can't stop it anymore and it's absurd for them to stand up and go let's make it a class a and lock everyone up for life for dealing yeah. etc um but what they can then do is you know, actually know and reframe the narrative and if they can reframe cannabis from being a dangerous drug to being oh, it's just an unregulated medicine Mm-hmm. we've just figured it out so actually now what happens is it's all medicine when we'd have it and we're the only ones that are allowed to produce it because we've got the the licenses and the white coats and mm-hmm. and then it's be the same as they'll then argue it's like well it's like the same as you're producing your own diazepam yeah do you know what i mean no one would protect or want you to do that if you need it you can go and get it only through these strict avenues yeah and that's what i felt all along is that they're trying to do is co-op to steal to mm. reach in and, and asset strip our culture and community and build this for profit system mm. of medical this medical that and it's like no it's a fucking plant and it's mm. all of ours it should be freely grown all over the fucking planet if you want to talk about cannabis for its fucking medicinal value the best thing you could do with it is grow billions of plants across the planet carbon's a question do you yeah. know what I mean? We could then move it into fibers and we can move it into, into biofuels, get rid of petroleums, BPAs and BPZ in our products. We can go to move it into paper, get rid of dioxins. Mm-hmm. They would have far more of an impact to human health than allowing 200, 300 people that have a certain specific condition allowed one compound on license. That co- it's a con, it's a farce. It's 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 not even close to ever going to be enough. It's a plant. It is already here. The, the Americans destroy tens of millions of plants, right? The DEA's federal budget for destroying cannabis plants. The vast majority of it goes still towards feral cannabis. Mm-hmm. Tens of millions of plants just grow every year. Because do you know what I, I learned recently, right? Cannabis seed can stay underground for 20 fucking years. A healthy seed, you plant, yeah, grows, boom, drops into the fucking cycle, and it can sit underground for like 20 fucking years. And then it can just go, all right, cool, boom, grow. So they go, they eradicate, and what they do is they then end up with these hermaphroditic plants with trillions of seeds, eradicate it, and smash all these seeds in the ground. Then they'll come back the next cycle and go, who's planted all this cannabis? Where's all the... And they use all these chemicals, and they do all this shit, and they're wasting millions, yeah. tens of millions in countries all across the world. And yet they're then going, hmm, we're going to build this giant warehouse with fucking giant fucking walls and barbed wire and cameras, security guards, dogs, and grow this plant in this concrete glass cage. Yeah. It's, it's, when you, again, when you're talking about perspective and perception, like when you, when you zoom out of it, the, the reason I work as hard as I do within this space, or I'm just so dogged, is I've seen it. Mm. And, it, and, it, and it can be just like tomatoes. It can be like, it's it's nothing. 
Mm. Once we get beyond all of this shit, it is just still a plant. Yes, some people will abuse it, but you know what? Some fucking people abuse tomatoes. Yeah. I know some people still eat like a five-year-old. Mm. Half a bottle of ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know what I mean? The amount of sugar and shit that's in there, that's far more detrimental to the average and to every consumer. That bottle of ketchup would be harmful because of the level of sugar, salt, etc. Yeah. Whereas the cannabis, the same level to every person in the population, it's only going to be a very select few in certain circumstances that could potentially have a negative outcome. Yeah. So therefore, it's an absurdity that you don't criminalize something because it can potentially, in some circumstance, mm-hmm. we reinvented cars and then very quickly went, oh, fuck, right. The rubber needs to be solid, right? We need roads. Wait, what's a road? We'll figure that out, right? Signs, <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Traffic lights, oh, cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Seat belts, mirrors, the glass has to be shatterproof. You know, we had yeah. iterations of learning that man can drive a car, at some cases, 300, what was the fucking drag record I saw the other day? 338 miles an hour, I think the new drag record is in drag car racing, not drag queens racing. Yeah, I was going to say, boys absolutely busting um, to get him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the image in my head of them, it was literally, is a drag queen next to a drag car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, my, my point is that we've then been able to go from the idea of literally when they invented the car, the newspapers were saying, man cannot go 25 miles an hour. His internal organs will combust. Yeah. Literally. And now we're like two, three, and literally we're breaking sound barriers in like the, the, the Blue Bolt project or a Blue Bottle or whatever it was called, the car. And they're like six, seven, they're like Mac, whatever it is in, in terms of the sound barriers they're breaking. And again, we've learned how to fucking do that. The same could be true of drugs, mm-hmm. but we're still ignorantly going, well, why are these people got cars? But it's your responsibility to build us roads. If you built us roads and an infrastructure for us to take the drugs that we are taking, the, the vast, vast, vast majority of the problems would vanish. Mm. If you then take poverty and, and uh, actually then start to deal with individual trauma, the other shit disappears. Then if you look truly at epigenetics, you can then go, all right, boom, we can test your dad and it'll tell us if you as a kid shouldn't take these fucking drugs or at least yeah. if you do we recommend you take this with it and you're given education and advice never punitive it should be through uh fucking education and, and, and awareness not through the caution through fear mm. they've tried that for centuries and guess what more people than ever take more drugs than ever yeah it, it, it's, and it's, it's getting... funny that I was going to say that it's funny you say that man because it's like and first off it reminded me when you're talking about the epigenetic basis that's how far the medicine is becoming in Canada when it comes to them. them they, they'll try and study what's required for your endocannabinoid system profile. And then that's is that a stage where they're able to define a, a phytochemical profile in which will, will complement your endocannabinoid system baseline. Um, but again, what that thing you're talking about, about educating people, that's actually one of the, the side, it was like a side consequence of doing the animation series because one of the things I think is an ex- extremely efficient method of educating the public is kind of like a backdoor method, which is where you kind of invade the cultural mindset without being explicitly cannabis. Because very often if you have like, and I know that it's difficult because he's got a fucking cannabis leaf on his forehead, but it's difficult, man, you know, because it's like, I do think to myself, like cartoons are colorful, people kind of get drawn to it. So if the cartoon's are all about like an adventure thing, but the undertone is cannabis themed, that's kind of powerful and it'll draw people in. And I think that's like the same thing with music. If you've got somebody that's singing a song, you like the song and they've slipped in something related to cannabis, that's embedded in your subconscious. And these are techniques which are really important because sometimes it does feel like if you were to go across with an educational basis, I mean, with that book, The Case for Cannabis, that I wrote, it's like some people were getting turned off by it. I was like, hey, this is education by it. And it's like they immediately, it's, do you know what it's kind of like? It's like some people wouldn't want to be shown the truth if you gave them the door. It's like the truth to your life through this door, as an example. And the one I don't, I can't fucking because it jeopardizes their perceptions of how reality is. And I think sometimes it could just be it's, it's an effect, an, an efficient method um, to promote 
cannabis as a whole, when you when you when you try and invade the cultural mindset of individuals, when it's not explicitly cannabis, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ag- agreed. It it becomes the messaging can become blinded by the message so, yeah. sometimes almost the the, me- the other way around. You, you know what I meant. Um, but yeah, it's it's odd that we forget the intersectionality, the coalescing and the the convergence of all of these different sections of our society in that cannabis isn't just cannabis at all in the it's just then another tool and the thing and this is why I, frankly i want weed to be quite benign mm-hmm. for the most part in terms of we so ubiquitous that it's just all right so you yeah. weed cool all right you got the gym yeah it's just a thing you do yeah do, do you know what i mean to get to that sort of point that then people are almost bored talking about it they're like yeah why are we still discussing this yeah so then actual yeah um fucking research and and discovery can be found again because everything mm-hmm. that's been discovered since mashalem has basically been weaponized by that medicinal cannabis industrial complex how do we medicinalize this plant and if you look into the history actually this is probably giving you a bit of insight into part three of the medical con series i'm doing on my youtube channel uh, if you look at the history and the invention of the hypodermic plunger needle mm-hmm. and then the uh synthesization of uh opium into uh the brand names by buyer of heroin and and some morphine and all these other things and how that then kick-started this removal of the cultural consumption of opium it used to just be you just smoked opium you didn't mm-hmm. do it for medicinal reasons or recreational you just you could either go have some pints you could go have some opium you could go smoke a bit of hashish you know, mm-hmm. not quite often depending on the culture mixed with the opium yeah. um and then, yeah, they, then they went, all right, so people like this thing and they need it. So then they create a system going, all right, we control now all the opioids mm-hmm. uh, and all the the the, the, the uh, stereoisomers and all of the, like, potential chemistry around it so that mm-hmm. you can't get, the only reason you get access to it is through the doctors. That's then just created intergenerational people that then that seek these things from, for uh, soothing value to deal with the trauma, the pain of their, their, their life, their mental state, their position, station, cast in life, whatever it may be. Um, they have to then manipulate a doctor mm. and then on oh, my back or oh, my this or oh, my that or they have to then get it illicitly mm. whereas if we then had the supply of, of all of these compounds in all which manner and ways the people that would need them would seek toward them but if we had that healthy society as bruce k alexander uh who i reference quite often on this is actually probably someone to re- reach out to i know he's obviously getting on in years um but he was a canadian uh psychiatrist who basically created this thing called rat park and it was he saw the studies of addiction that were based on uh, rats in fucking horrible cold cages with water bottles with cocaine in. And they basically yeah. found the majority of the rats killed themselves with the cocaine water. So mm-hmm. it was like cocaine water or just water and they could pick. Obviously, I know what I would fucking pick in that circumstance. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, don't, I can understand that. But then what Bruce came along and went, oh, this is fucking backward. If you take the rat out of the cage, if you give him all of the ideal circumstance in life, yeah. would he still use the, the drug? Mm. And what they found is the majority of the rats would at some point in their lives try cocaine. Mm. They would try the cocaine-laced water. And what they found is is actually at moments of trauma, at rejection. So if they were rejected by a sexual partner, if they were, you know, revoked by a revoke, I can't even think of the word that I'm trying to say, they're revoked, removed from a societal setting, you know, whether they've done something uh, to upset etiquette, you know what mm. I mean, or they tried to mate with somebody they shouldn't have, et cetera, and they were then chastised and removed. They would then self-soothe by going to the drug again. Yeah. Did you know what I mean? So they found that actually they very quickly just started using it as a tool. Mm-hmm. And it's the same that we do in society. But again, our perception is focused on the very minute population in all drug consumers 
that get to such a level of deprivation and addiction and are then demonized by the rest of us that they're driven further into it, that they're the ones we hold in a pedestal and go, ah, that's what heroin use is, that's what crack use is, that's what meth use is. When mm -hmm. actually, if you, you really delve into art, history, uh, the history of like humanity in, in terms of art, music, literature, whole lot of motherfuckers using drugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, as Bill Hicks says, that if you you don't agree with people taking drugs and go home and throw all your records. And, yeah. Because all of them, high as shit. And it, there's just something in us that, the same way that I describe it as on a recent podcast, Dizzy Ducks. Like when kids spin around and they're like, ah, mm. they don't have a centrifugal thing in the brain until you start to hit puberty. Something happens where literally you get high. They get an experience of elation and ecstasy. You know? So they spin around, they get themselves fucked up. They may as well be mm. stacking lines of cocoa or whatever because <laughs> in their brain, they're doing the same thing. But we then don't look at that. Go, don't do that. You're getting high. That's wrong. Yeah. They're experiencing joy. They found a mechanism by which they can experience joy. Um, mm. It's the same thing. It just so happens that there's a third party involved, whether it be a plant, a powder, you know, a chemical, a fucking pill, whatever it may be. It's, 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 it's odd to me. The same even with gatherings. You know what they've done mm. with free parties, and you know they've weaponized a free party against us. It's now a commercial. It's a music festival. Mm. I mean, fuck, shout out, go watch Woodstock '99 for anyone on Netflix. Um, brilliant three part series, basically showing the juxtaposition of the start of the free radical movement of free love and, you know, kind of anti-capitalism and collectivism and, and localism um, juxtaposed to then the capitalist intention of that 30 years later in 99. And you can then see how 20 years later we are where we are with some festivals in the UK where you're missing the point. You're buying a synthetic experience. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And even I suppose the synthetic drugs rather than a lot of the, the natural entheogenic ones are giving you an entirely different experience. And people are buying it for the videos and the Snapchats and the fucking selfies. And they're not there. They're not mm -hmm. losing themselves for four days in a festival and finding themselves constantly, endlessly in different places at different times, in different ways, connecting in different to different people, you know? I think one of the things that's interesting about this as well, simple is like there's a there's a thing where we say that again, it's that cyclic thing. It's like there's a, a there's a book I'm reading at the moment, and it's talking about um, it mentions in it. There's a quote in it where the person talks about how, and it's like two thousand years ago, and they say um, the youth is disoriented. They're um, they're not representing the values we had. The authors saying this about the youth at the time this is a 2000 year old book and the, the, the author's uh, saying criticizing the youth to say that they're going to be ambitionless and they're not going to be effective in society and da, 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 da. And I'm reading this thing thinking fuck's sake this is 2000 years ago and it might as well be this week and it's that and it's that and that's what makes me believe like what is it what is it like I don't know man it's, it's a very peculiar thing it's like we're just on the on the on the on the ride of life and it's like you've just to kind of look around and take the most you can take from it because it That's does seem like an cycle. so yeah the the image that just came into my head there you said ride it was getting on a roller coaster and there's cars and you get in with so many people and it's like a generation gets on in a car and so they set off and they're experiencing the ride and they're further up and they know more about it and they're looking back at the others and go why aren't they reacting this way why yeah. aren't they they don't know that part of the ride do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. like, like we get grouped together, as we were sort of saying before, and we have these collective experiences and we get locked in moments of time and that moves through and the next generation, and we'll always look at the other ones and they'll be so abstract and be like, the fuck is that? <laughs> and then the, the more you do it, the more you see the similarities to the ones above you. Obviously, yeah. you understand the difference, but you can see like, oh shit, that's why they said I was such an idiot. And then you go like, mm. wait, 
I heard that song 20 years ago. And you remember mm-hmm. your mom saying when you were little, I heard this when I was on the radio when I was yeah. a kid. Everything yeah. goes in cycles. Yeah. And it is, it's, as you were saying, it's we almost regurgitate. And I think it's, as the Buddha says, of like mistakes will be repeated until lessons are learned. I think everything is constantly manifesting and destroying and manifesting mm-hmm. in the same guise and ways through through empire colonizing through fucking whether it be in the spiritual realm the intellectual realm the physical realm you know the everything that we're doing is we're trying to answer the same fucking questions and it's, we almost have to get to a point and just something yeah do you know what's going to like? Switch again. It reminded me of the of the ocean. To be honest, if you're sitting and watch the water, I think that's what's so cathartic when I look at water. When it's the when the oceans comes and goes, comes and goes, because it's like that's what the, it's the it's the it's the oceans of time, man. You know this, mm-hmm. and that's what it's kind of like. It's like the every little particle of water that's and again it comes to that thing. It's like a, an individual particle of water added all together. It's a collective body, um, and it's that thing that's just I don't know. Just when you see it coming in and it goes away, it comes in and it goes away, and I think that's takes you to that thing you mentioned before where it's so crucial to be in the moment to, to understand that you're just you should just be grateful to be able to be able to fucking repeat yourself when I'm joking <laughs> I fucking said it twice there uh, no you should just be you should just be grateful that you're able to perceive what you're going through and I think that's what's so crucial about that it's like just enjoy life doesn't matter if it's a difficult circumstance make the most from that thing but I think it's just to be grateful is, is a really powerful emotional position I think yeah man um reminded of the end of some documentary in my head and it's in a book of is it the Uponishon? It's like a series of books in like pre-Tibetan like literature. And there's like a a verse in that that it's like not that which the eyes can see, but the fact that the eyes can see, know that to be Brahma the eternal or Brahma being God in this and obviously God being a stand-in for the ever pervasive consciousness um and then it goes on to say that not that which by the ears can hear but that that the ears can hear know that to be brahma the Mm. eternal and it just keeps and it it lists off these things and it's it's basically trying to get you to to recognize that it is sentience itself is the answer the question the problem Mm -hmm. all at once do you know what i mean it is it's this curse and blessing of, of consciousness and i think that the thing that if you can manifest and kind of like hold in your heart for all that's cliche as that sounds. Um, but what I mean by that is if you can retain a sense of love and wonderment and curiosity toward the world in your core, then nothing can kind of can touch that. And if you mm. can then focus into those moments of going, how wonderful it is that I'm getting to witness this car accident. How wonderful, <laughs> it, not, not necessarily in that extreme, but you know what I mean? In terms of, <laughs> You you that's a you you strengthen that muscle like an atrophied muscle and the stronger it gets then the easier it is in any moment to be resilient to again strengthen those mm. check and wings yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah I think uh, we should we should run uh, we've just got aware of the time there um, look to 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 wrap this up I've thoroughly enjoyed this and again I think we asked two questions <laughs> I, I do actually have notes folks I just yeah. want to show you like notes notes for the thing. Um, hey, well, to be honest, simple. We could flip around, man. And next week, I think I'm uh, speaking to uh, uh, an individual during the week. I'm not sure. I'll have to speak to her first to make sure. So I mention her name, but I'll have to flip around, man. I'll get you on the show. We'll just do my like. I'll get you on, and we'll so we'll have it on fucking Canaman TV this time because I think that's uh, twice on yours, man. So I mean, it just means that you're yeah, man, I'll be happy like, with that. Yeah, because it means another couple of hours, man. Because let's say I could talk to you for a long time, man. Like likewise, likewise, man. And I think uh, next time I'm gonna break out some of the Blue Dream CBD rather than the cherry pie, so I'll be a, a bit more on point and articulate. Um, but yeah, man, thank you again for for jumping in the hot seat and for 
yeah, just just chatting shit with me for hours, man. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I do uh, hope uh, my listeners did too. <laughs> yeah, same here, Simple. This has been an absolute joy. Let's see when you messaged over, man. I was delighted because let's see, this is cathartic for me. Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll make this a regular thing, even if we're not filming it. Yeah, uh, fucking right, man. Yeah, 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 man. <laughs> yeah def- definitely, definitely. Um, especially as we're both quite avid readers, we'll have our, our own little quiet book club. you want to join Jim in the comments? Actually, I'll, I'll send you down the productive path and 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 show that, and even the, the case for cannabis. See what you think, because let's say it's it's really it. fun. I always to... love uh, new literature, but I'm never necessarily, or not always, rather. It was terrible language. Not necessarily always in a position to uh, be able to purchase it. Unfortunately, at the minute, given the situation, but I would appreciate. I'm the same. That no, no, but that's what I mean, man. I've got several sitting here, man. I mean, that's one. Of the, I'll be honest with you, anybody watching. Like, I buy all my fucking books and just give them to people. <laughs> I'm in a position because I asked to get my brother's dad asked me that. He's like, "Does anybody buy your books?" I was like, "I do," and then I fucking give them away for free. <laughs> it's still doing that groundwork, and it's. Even as you said, like the fact that y- your son can look forward to seeing this in in retrospect, and I think again, like this is why I think the podcasts that we're producing and that are so important to get these conversations. We're locking them in time, so no matter what the chads of the future or the the future yippies or what yuppies or whatever, <laughs> trying to pull up sort of derogatory titles groups here. I'm sorry, <laughs> folks. Um, just whatever individuals happen to you know try and whitewash our cult- culture and, and our history, uh, we have this account. And I think that in all guises, the work that you've produced does that. So more power to you, brother. Appreciate it, bro. Honestly, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. No worries. No worries. Uh, you're welcome to hang around while I do a bit of housekeeping, or you can just sign up now. It's up to you. No, man, I'll fucking chill for a sec. All right, sweet, sweet. Uh, all right, folks, that was episode 96. About three hours. Uh, if you sat all the way through this, I commend you, and uh, we'll release you to now go and empty thy bladder, go get a drink, uh, roll up some dupes, and go enjoy your day, evening, or whatever... Day and evening basically covers it. Middle of the day. If you're in the middle of the day, go really seize the day, you know, fucking carpe diem and all that shit. Uh, if you enjoyed this stuff, please do check us out on patreon.com forward slash simple life, where for less than a cup of coffee a month, you can help me keep this little project of mine going. Check us out on all social media platforms at the simple life. Uh, I know I keep saying this, but the website slowly, slowly, you can't see, but there's a shitload of paperwork actually stapled to the wall behind me, which is how it will look so it gives a few more weeks and it will be there all right uh peace love check out uh connor everywhere in the links below and we'll see you next week with um, somebody cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right peace love folks uh oh that is lag like a motherfucker there don't don't be playing this game computer be nice be nice be nice all right, we're good, we're good. <laughs> Some good outtakes here already, at least. Um, <laughs> 90 minutes of outtakes. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, zoom lady. Oh, just the mic off. Uh, <laughs> I had to get it's the light in a bit of a while. while. Yeah, I was the same. I had to get the fucking, I had to get all this shit out of the bedroom and that. Oh, right, we can do this. We can do this. <clears throat> oh, God. Uh, 96. I made myself breathless there by stretching, Jesus Christ. do that as a special one time just to fuck with people we'll do, I'll do it was like april uh fool's day episode or something right. and yeah just condense all of the fucking uh outtakes oh right here we go here we go